this week on the BevCast. You know what his problem is? He's stupid. One star? We're in. All right, welcome to the BevCast. Hey! hey BevCast! Episode 378. Uh, so I'm Harlow. I'm Mackie. I'm BJ. I'm Chuck. And what we do each and every episode of the Bamfcast is we go and we watch ourselves a quote-unquote bad movie. Come in here and talk about it for the first half. Then we rate them. Good bad movies, enjoyable bad movies. They get one five jocks and robot jocks. Good job, robot jocks. Keep it up. However, there are bad bad movies. It doesn't stay away. They get a negative sliding scale. One to five bags. This is douche bags after bags of douche. I'm going to need to see you in my office, bags of douche. Um. So, no. So we're, we're free of a- anime. We anime. are free, and yeah, it's um, June. Yeah, and we're not doing any themes. It's just Ooh. some. Movies. Are you sure you're not hiding a theme? From I me? promise you, this is random it's, June. It's a theme vacation. <laughs> I don't believe you, but well, we have had this movie requested for a very long time, and that's 1984's Streets of Fire. Streets of Fire. So you yes. remember, remember, like a month or two back, we had an argument where we were like. We, did. I, we can't watch Walter Hill movies. No. He's a good filmmaker. Too good. And here we are. Walter <laughs> Hill's Streets of Fire from 1984. <laughs> Let's get a quick plot summary out of the way, because that's what we do when we start these things. Mm-hmm. A mercenary is hired to rescue his ex-girlfriend, a singer who has been kidnapped by a motorcycle gang. That is literally it. Mm-hmm. True. Truth. Truth. That is the correct plot. Yes. Y- yeah. So, <laughs> so, as we said, this is a Walter Hill movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the man that... So this would be our first Walter Hill movie. It would be, yeah, yeah, for um, the Banff cast. The man that brought us like uh, the Warriors, a lot of things. Mm-hmm. The Warriors, yeah, forty-eight hours. Yeah. Yep, a, a lot, a lot of things. Yes, um, yeah, <laughs> right. I, All right, it's got Michael Pere. Yes, Banff cast alum stars Michael Pere of Moon Forty Four <laughs> and Far Cry and Dragon Fight. Dragon Fight. His most pretty- famous role, yes. Dragon Fight. Very, very big. Six that- years later, was in <laughs> Dragon Fight. Good one. <laughs> yep. Uh, Diane Lane, mm-hmm. it, making her Bamcast debut. Welcome, I would assume. Martha, to the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, we have to stop the show now. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> Forever. Uh, Sorry. How do you know that name? <laughs> Rick Moranis. Uh, I believe making his Bamcast, Bamcast debut, debut as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Amy Madigan. Sure. Bamcast debut. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Willem Dafoe, probably not a Bamcast debut. It's weird. Hmm. Willem Dafoe, I looked him up on Letterboxd. Yeah. Like, like mm-hmm. as far as like, you know, you click someone and it tells you how many movies you've seen of theirs. Mm-hmm. I've seen like 60 of his movies yep. somehow. Like I, I you, you never realize Willem Dafoe is in everything until you suddenly look at everything that Willem Dafoe is in. He works. And it's everything. Yeah. And it's like, I've seen all of these. Yeah. Yeah. So I couldn't tell you if any of them are Bamcast movies or not. I don't think they are. I think he, we, he skirted Defoe, out of here. But. Of John Wick. <laughs> of John Wick fame. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and Bill Paxton of Bill Paxton fame. Right. <gasps> He's a Bamcast alum. Who? He was in Triple X, Triple X State of the Union. Oh, that's, that's right. right. Oh, fuck. Yes. <laughs> we can claim Willem Dafoe. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God. I love Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Yeah, he's good. But seriously, like the man's been in everything. But anyway, there's a whole bunch of other character actor types. Slider from Top Guns in it mm-hmm. as a cop. Yep. 
Just a lot of dudes. There are a lot of dudes and a couple ladies. Yeah. Dottie from Pee-wee's Big Adventures in this. Mm-hmm. That's right. And uh, what's her name from? Is it uh, from Valley Girl? Is yeah. The, is the baby doll? Is the... No, that's what I, we were I just talking about. Even, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Dottie. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Brain's not clicking on that one. No. Yeah. But one of the daughters from Too Close for Comfort is also... <laughs> Elizabeth Daly is the name of Dottie or baby doll or whatever we want to call her from. All righty. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. cool. The singer from Better Off Dead. Oh. Who sings Better Off Dead. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. Better Off Dead fame. Uh-huh. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Bill, Bill Paxton's in this too. There's just a lot we of people. brought that up. Oh, mm-hmm. You is said Bill Paxton, Paxton in we this? Said Bill Paxton. Oh, I missed that one. Okay, oh, I'm Bill sorry. Paxton fame. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. There's also leaving. He's a fan cast <laughs> I'm just saying, it's this a great a, name. It's a pack movie. But, uh, he was in Get Crazy. It's a fun name to say. I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. Now, it starts out and it blurry says Streets of Fire. Screen fades out, says a rock and roll fable. Mm-hmm. And then it fades out and says another time, another place. Yes. How did I miss that part? You were looking at your mouth fedora. It, it <laughs> must have been. It's just text on a screen. You're loading but, up on juice. <laughs> but that other time and other place is this weird mishmash of early 80s and late 50s mm-hmm. where most of the people are dressed in it might not even be 50s it almost feels like 40s clothing you know they just feel it, like they it got depends like the, on the district like the suspenders and yeah. the other just it's like zoot suits and it's yeah. late 40s early 50s aesthetic yeah. it's mm-hmm. a smash of like 20s 30s 40s 50s yeah all that kind of mishmash together. Well, mm-hmm. like the suspenders with the really tall pants. I mean, that's practically gangs in New York era. I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, but, it's all times and all places in one fictional city. Mm-hmm. But like the well, background music is like rockabilly kind of stuff, but in the other bar. Yeah. Because in Willem Dafoe's section of town, mm-hmm. he, they, they're straight up fifties biker gang. Yes. But the, and all the cars are fifties cars. But look horribly old, like there's yeah. been some war of some kind, and the cars didn't progress. Yeah, except for Michael Perret's yeah. car, but but like the the musical part of the movie, the part where music is actually prominent and not like background incidental music, is '80s music for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, it's this universe is weird. It's it's not ours. <laughs> no, it's Earth twelve. It also <laughs> feels like this. Like everywhere they go exists as a back alley. Of somewhere. Yeah. There doesn't actually seem to be a normal place. It's just everyone lives off of a back alley of something. Yeah. Everyone's under subway tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it kind of looks like old shitty New York. Mm-hmm. But like if you took old shitty 70s New York and transplanted it to the 30s or 50s or yep. 40s, maybe. Sure. But with a shit ton of neon. There is a, a lot of it's neon. Weird. Yeah. It's weird. But it kind of just starts with a concert. Yeah. There's people like gearing up for concert. <laughs> they went purple and, rain style. Yeah. They're just like, all right, here's and, Diane Lane singing a track because it's, it's, uh, what's her band's name? It's Ellen Aim and Ellen Aim and the Attackers. Sol- attackers, yeah. Yeah. yeah the and Attackers is a good name it is. for your band. But it's the whole song. Like, mm-hmm. this is just straight up like, here's a song, and we're not going to cut to really anything else happening during it. Mm-hmm. Just hey, we're gonna establish Diane Lane. She's a rock star, and everyone loves her. Yes, especially this motorcycle gang that has rolled up and has slowly throughout the song entered the arena, mm-hmm. 
And slowly moving towards the stage. Yeah. And I like that they don't show that it's Willem Dafoe leading them. Yeah. Until there's a slow, like, light up on his face. At first, I thought they screwed up the shot because, like, he walks in all in shadow and, uh, and they cut away. And I'm like, wait, you just fucked up your reveal. Yeah. Like, I, nah, but they, they, they just kind of, yeah, they, they drag it out a little bit longer. They do. Yeah. But, but there is some weird stuff in the sequence as far as the filming goes because they will, like, they'll frame the stage and it's almost like, it's meant to be projected in a theater. Like you are in the crowd looking at this concert mm-hmm. just because of the way that they're situated in the frame. But the problem is the background's like completely empty, but there's neon lights that'll light up every once in a while with like this weird funky pattern. And it's like, you'll see it for a split second and then they'll cut away from it immediately Yeah, and go to some other shot. And I'm like, why are you showing us the long shot like that? And the only thing I can think of is that, it's designed to be, it's like, it's meant to be watched in a big projected theater where these people are going to look about, you know, like the size that you'd want somebody <laughs> to be on the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it kind of works. Yeah. But, and, and off to the side, you've got um, Rick Moranis, who is just kind of, you know, in a suit kind of b- pushing around. The, yeah. He's, well, he's kind of pushing around the stage hands and everything. And he's kind of complaining like, uh, this, these charity gigs, I should have never signed on for this. Blah. Mm-hmm. So basically, like, this is not their part of town. They're touring around. This is a free show for these people who live in this. For these scuzz buckets. This, you know, District 12 or whatever the hell this mm-hmm. place is. The Richmond. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, the the whole song plays and kind of gets to the end. And then you, you get the William Defoe reveal, reveal. Where he gets Willem Dafoe crazy face and straight up tackles her yeah. on stage. Yeah. Oh, r- full speed. Just yeah. takes off. Just boom. <laughs> but he shouts no at the stage. He's like, no. And wanted her to keep singing. Singing was preventing him. I from guess. Rushing I thought the he stage. was saying go like he oh, had this planned was, out or something. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah, no, uh, he and the, the motorcycle gang just kind of rush the stage and grab her, mm-hmm. chase everyone out of there. And, uh, they don't even chase everyone out. Well, everyone, everyone just, like, just get the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> nobody, nobody at all is interested in help. Well, with the exception of Bill Paxton, but m- for the most part, nobody is interested in helping. No, they're all trying to get on. the fuck away. They just get well, beat Rick, up Rick as Rand they're running briefly away. Briefly tries to help, but he just gets yeah, like bowling, like off the bowling stage. slid yes, down off the stage. Yeah, <laughs> slid down the bar, but off the stage. I mean, and this kind of turns into stunt spectacular outside because there are there are concert goers running around, but there are so many motorcycles and everything mm-hmm. everywhere. The motorcycle gang is just like, fuck everybody. Yeah, people are getting clipped by motorcycles. Yeah. There's some painful looking stuff going on. You know, someone gets dragged. They get wrapped with a chain and dragged down the street and people are going through windows and motorcycles are just driving up mm-hmm. to people and <laughs> clotheslining someone yeah. walking by. Um, yeah, it's but, rough. But, but Willem Dafoe takes off with Diane Lane kind of. No. Screaming and punching him while riding the motorcycle with him, mm-hmm. and well, he's kind of got her draped over it, doesn't it? Yeah, like, sort of like the villain. I thought he handed horse. her off to someone else. I don't know, maybe. I, Either I, way, I she's know. they're gone. Yeah, yeah. And this is when we actually get into the credits of the movie. Yes, which are annoying and go on forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just wanted to point out, like, it's in the opening credits, which is kind of like unusual for a credit like this. But I think the emphasis on the music in this is like jimmy iovine has like a credit on this yeah yeah and it's like you know i'm guessing they were just like this will be a hit like make it music focused because i mean 
because there's a guy credited for doing music. It's not like he did. It's just like music consultation. Yeah, Ry Cooter. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's Ry Cooter yeah. and then Jimmy Iovine, which is, yeah, all right, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but like during this way too long credit sequence, you get like someone's writing a letter to someone named Tom. Oh, I think it was a straight up telegram. Telegram. Whatever. Like, whatever know. it is in this universe, but yeah, telegram letter, whatever to Tom. Tom is. Come to somewhere. Yeah. Stop the infamous. <laughs> Come home, <laughs> Defoe. Yes. He's suddenly on a train, shows up in town, goes to the diner because his sister runs the, the mm-hmm. diner and who is who sent the telegram. And there's like a gang of toughs in there who are like, hey, we're here to eat food and do stuff. And she's just like, yeah. we're all out of food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll rough up the joint. Yeah. Yeah. yeah nah. Nah. See? And Michael Pere is just like, no, uh, this ain't gonna happen. See, and <laughs> like goes up to this one well, guy. I think I'm gonna throw you out the window. Well, he slaps this guy around like twice. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was, and because he's got a butterfly knife, which he immediately takes out of his hand and is just like, here, try it again. <laughs> and then he try he tries it again, and he still gets take, taken from him. And then Michael Pore just slaps the ever loving shit out of him, like ten slaps in a row, just back and forth. And you know he's dispatched those people and mm-hmm. it's just like uh sister you know and he throws three of them out the window but yeah. he's like get it's out of here fenestration <laughs> well he basically runs them off mm-hmm. on foot mm-hmm. and gains their car because yeah he's like oh look what i found yeah which is the nicest car in the movie yes it's the nicest, nicest thing. thing in the movie yeah, yeah. It, it's basically the, well, the I don't only know. car Diane they bothered to nice. like, <laughs> it's the nicest thing in the movie all right it's the only thing they bothered to wash besides diane lane yes mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Everything else is well, I'm just filthy. like Rick Moranis and Diane Lane are like the only humans that don't have like some shit on them. Well, it's because they're not from there. Right. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. from District One. And, you know, but, you know, it's he's like, oh, we find out that she uh, Diane Lane was his ex-girlfriend and the sister's like, she got kidnapped. You need to go get her. And he's like, ah, uh, yeah, he's kind of like, you, you called me back for that. Yeah. Like, really? I got other things to yeah. do. And. She's like, ah, come on. He's like, ah, all right, maybe. But he like he goes to Bill Paxton's bar, and Amy Madigan is sitting in there, and <laughs> and Bill Paxton's giving her shit. Yeah, and she's not taking it because she punches him right in the face. Yep, <laughs> and then jumps over the bar, and it's like, okay, well, what do you have? Yeah, uh, pours Michael Pere a mm-hmm. shot of tequila, and they just takes the bottle and they just leave. Yep, and she's like, ah, you got a place to stay? I don't have anywhere to go. And he's like, uh, you, no. you could share my bed. And she's like, I don't want, I hate to break it to you, but you're not my type mm-hmm. and you're never going to be my type ever, 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 ever. Which, <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of, <laughs> you don't know if she's, if she's a lesbian or not, because she mentions having a boyfriend later on in the movie uh-huh. or an ex-boyfriend, I should say. Yeah. But certainly the way that she's presented w- with her outfit is she's almost like dressed like a mechanic. Yes. But like an old, like forties mechanic. Mm hmm. Well, she was in the military. She yeah. worked in the motor pool. Yep, and, she, and apparently just kept the outfit and never she just, never took she it off again. Ran away. She loved like, every bit yeah. of that outfit. Yeah, yeah. But, she lives to wrench. But with that and just the, and the way that she constantly shoots down and Michael she's looking Pere, for a winch. <laughs> uh, it's 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 presented that way throughout the majority of the movie. Yeah, except for basically one line later on. Mm-hmm. But she's like, "Oh, come on!" Like. He's like, you can sleep on the couch, maybe, I guess. Yeah. And 
yeah. I so, mean, this is all just nothing much. It's just it, minor introduction of characters, but like he's going to meet with Rick Moranis the next day mm-hmm. and find out about the job, basically. Yeah. And, well, he decides that in the middle of the night. He like goes and wakes up his sister and she's yeah. like, all right, just let me meet him. And by like the way, there's fish. a lady on the couch. Give her some coffee when she wakes up. <laughs> yeah, and the sister's like, wait, she's on the couch? Yeah. He's like, ah, don't ask me. <laughs> He's like, uh, you got to ask her about that one. <laughs> yeah. But he goes to meet Rick Moranis, and Rick Moranis is like, yeah, she's she's in this place. She's in the, whatever, the, the, the battery. I grew up there. I'm never going back there. It's terrible. But here's where she is. And he's like, cool, you're coming with me. And he's like, no, I'm not. And he's like, yeah, you are. And... So that deal is kind of hammered out, you know, $10,000 and you're coming with me Then we'll go get her. So he goes to see his gun guy, yeah. which is guy with a car or a trunk full of guns, full of guns, get some guns. So he gets sort of a gearing up montage, but kind of you know, with the weird, not much montage, unfortunately, just the, just the weird fast cut editing yeah. that they were doing in this mm-hmm. like, cocaine. Here's gun. Yeah. Here's another yeah. gun. Okay. Now we which, assume he has guns. We should also note the transitions. Mm-hmm. And then with the wipes mm-hmm. are like, if you've seen the poster, it's got this sketchy quality to it. And it's kind of like that where it's almost like a sketch runs through the middle of the screen real quick and yeah. then wipes it. it it's, and that happens multiple times throughout. It's like an eraser wipe or yeah. tire tracks. It's, it's just this weird kind of. I was thinking maybe it was supposed to be fire. I, but it's uh, I don't know. It didn't seem fire. Yeah, no. It just seemed like almost it's, like tearing it or yeah. something. It's it's but, unique for the era. Yeah. But it's just like, okay, guys. It was like they got the first <laughs> video toaster ever and we're like, what, what can this well, thing do? There's a special credit in the end credits just for that transition. Really? Like some company out of New York City was doing that. Huh. And it, it, they got their own like s- special credit in the end credits for just that transition. So, yeah, man, that those well, were the days when you could just come up with one thing and survive for however mm-hmm. long. Yeah, I, 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 my, I invented the star wipe. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> Thanks. I, I'm going to be huge with wedding videos. Yeah. But anyway, that's that shows up often. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they they um they're on the way. I mean, they they go mm-hmm. it. it you know, it's him, Amy Madigan, and, and Rick Moranis, and they go. Time to go get her. Mm-hmm. They drive for a while. Yeah, he makes Rick Moranis come along. Yeah. So and, that he can guide them to where they need and to be. Yeah. But. Rick Moranis' job is just to kind of bitch the whole time. Yeah. And really not in a, any kind of interesting, amusing way. It's just bitching. Well, mm-hmm. that's... It's bossy bitching. It's uh, like, um, I'm in charge. I'm uh, the big muckety muck. Amidst the 45 pages of trivia on this movie on IMDb, uh-huh. it's noted that he didn't enjoy this movie because he wasn't allowed to improvise anything. Sure. So I think it comes off more as him just reading the script stuff and not really putting his spin on it because he kind of couldn't. Yeah, it feels. it doesn't really feel like... It doesn't feel like him. It doesn't feel like Rick Moranis. It's sort of like... It is. There's a little bit of Lewis Tully later in the movie, that mm-hmm. kind of, yeah. you know, it's, panicky it's, sort of thing. Yeah, but and not... it's when he gets the panicky run on, like, I'm not going to stop talking thing that, right. you know, you kind of associate with a Rick Moranis freak out. It's the most character he's ever had in a movie. And by that, I mean, like, the least Rick Moranis. You know, like, when yeah. you see him, you expect a certain something, and it's none of that. It's just, like, he fully blends into the world 
he's he's another performer in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd I'd say it's Lewis Tully if like he got Sigourney Weaver and then realized quickly after like he didn't deserve her, <laughs> and then was just like everyone that came around like I'll fight you if you look yeah. at her and even she's mine because he's he's basically like he's dating Diane Lane, mm-hmm. and so he's having this kind of rivalry with Michael Pere who hasn't really said or done anything to indicate like he's going to take her back or anything. Yeah. But, but Rick Moranis is very much like in kind of panicked mode of, I got a good thing here. Have you seen Diane Lane? She's hot mm. and going to be worth a lot of money. So well, she's mine and you better back off Mr. And, and I'm tough. I'm Rick Moranis. <laughs> yeah. He's got a lot of unearned bravado yeah. in this movie. Yes. It's just, it's just panic that he's going to mm-hmm. lose Diane Lane. That's mm-hmm. all it is. Yeah, because yeah. he doesn't really find out that they're exes until after yeah. everything. Because Amy Madigan knows, and yeah. she eventually starts taunting Rick Moranis mm-hmm. with it. Like, I hear they were real hot and heavy, and she's like, he's just like, shut up. Yeah, yeah, but they're, that's their plan, is Rick Moranis is going to guide them to where they need to be, which is, I, I they get there pretty quick as far as the start of the movie goes. It yeah. seems like it's much further away in the time it takes them to get out of there eventually. They made it sound like it's a two hour drive. Yeah. So, but they, they like park under a bridge and wait for motorcycles, which I don't know why that's a clue because this entire district is nothing but motorcycles, but they wait under a bridge. They see the motorcycles. They park the car and start walking in that direction Mm -hmm. when they're accosted by Ed Begley Jr. (laughs) Yeah. Who's just filthy and giant hair and is just like, hey, I'm Ed Begley Jr. Have you heard about my electric car? And (laughs) and, he's like, you guys are here for the girl, right? I know where she is. And of course, Rick Moran's like, how do you know that? Yeah. You're just a scumbag. (laughs) Yeah. But he's like, I know her. Everyone knows everything. And just basically repeats what Rick Moranis has already said that she's at this bar. What is it? Torches? Torches? Torches. 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 And and then Michael Bray is like, all right, pay him. And Rick Moranis is like, I'm not paying him. He's a filthy animal. I'm not. Mm-hmm. So pays him. And then as they're walking off, he's like, this is what I said. I, I said exactly where she is. Why did I just pay him? <laughs> yeah. I'm a shithead. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so they get to this club, which as as they've they've set this place up to be just the a total nightmare scenario of this is this district is just pure hell and this club is not the worst biker bar i've ever yeah. seen the band is really talented yeah they're playing some rockabilly yeah. shit and no one's like fucking the place up like you think bikers would i mean as soon as bikers go anywhere they just start destroying everything these bikers are enjoying the music everybody's well, having a good they time they seem to have options for places to go for wanton destruction and mayhem yeah they just go to one of these other districts and yeah they go they get it out of their system yeah. and they come back home it's like don't shit where you eat <laughs> right yeah. here you just you mm-hmm. enjoy the tunes here they yeah. just have their shiny vinyl costumes and things that they wear yeah check out the muscular dancer on the bar yeah androgynous biker dancer yeah whatever yeah <laughs> whatever floats your boat biker gang in the weird universe mm-hmm. this movie takes place in but so there's a scene of diane lane tied up to a bed mm-hmm. and this is the extent of william defoe explaining his entire character and his motivation which is just he comes in and says you should be nice to me we could have a romance for a week or two and then i'll let you go yeah which is a weird weird plan it just seems super weird, but she's not having anything to do with it. And he's like, well, whatever. And wanders off. And by the way, he's wearing, I, I don't even know how to describe. They're like it's leather. Like, it's like a butcher apron, but if it was made out of like latex. 
Yep. Well, yeah. it also had like pant legs, so it was like if well, yeah, I if mean, they were like, like if you were pleather river fishing. Black yeah, I was about to say if you were gonna go waders. fly fishing. Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna you go fly fishing your, in a your leather stylish bar. black latex, but you're into your BDM SM at the same time. Yeah, I mean, right. yeah. but I meant like full on butcher, like guy in the butcher, like the slaughterhouse. Maybe you know, he's also like pale white Mm -hmm. and he's got lipstick of some kind on because his lips are super red oh yeah and a haircut that makes him look like more like a snake (laughs) well he's got the they called it the duck's ass which Uh which it was like it was where you pulled both sides up and then kind of had like a part in the middle but it came forward yes yeah Hmm. and he's got that throughout yeah and it looks great (laughs) yeah i I guess a well-styled head of hair yeah (laughs) he's an Interesting looking character in this film. Um, uh, he's always that. interesting looking. In yes. this, he's especially <laughs> striking. I think it's because of how pale he is. He's super and pale. And gaunt. <laughs> yeah. But so they come up with this plan. The plan's really not important. It's just basically like Michael Prey is going to go in one door. Amy Madigan's going to go in another. And Rick Moran is going to walk in the front door. Yeah. 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 Rick Moran just has to go get the car. Yeah. And be back in 15 minutes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And. And he well, and I thought he said, "I'm going to go in the back." That's y- what you I go thought. in the front and get your way in. And she makes her way through the club. There's a dude who picks her up, and she's like, "Oh, hey, yeah, that sounds good." They and go to the the fun room or whatever. Yeah, the fun room. Then <laughs> she pulls a gun on that guy. And just yeah, like, oh, all you guys are going to pay, and just knocks him out. Uh, and then just goes and busts up the card game where all the principal mm-hmm. bikers are playing cards. Yeah, and she, and she basically just. Pulls a gun on them. Yeah. And is like, all right, you guys are going to not do anything because I have a gun. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, Michael Prey, like th- this sequence takes five to ten minutes, I'd say, yeah. of her like going into the club and then mm-hmm. getting into the room with them. He's just hanging out. And on Michael Prey is like making his way across the roof and getting there. And we're like, oh, man, he's going to sneak in the back. There's a, there's a point where all he... he did was work his way out to the front door yeah. just on the roof across the street yeah. where they kind of already were. Yeah. Yeah. He went like 30 yards. Yeah. Yeah. He has a moment where he looks uh, in the window across the street and sees Diane Lane tied up in the bed. And I swear I thought it was about to start a flashback the way it kind of pull, pulled in it and like, sure as hell felt like the it was music started to, up. Yeah. And I was like, how is well, he ever going to like, how is he going to possibly be affected? Because there was a point earlier in the movie where he pulled her picture out of his wallet that mm-hmm. he still had and started a flashback. Yep. And like this started was about to start a flashback. I was like, can he just see her and not have a flashback? <laughs> Is it possible? <laughs> it is, yes. <laughs> because he doesn't hear He doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. But it's framed that way. Mm-hmm. Like, I think probably in editing, they were like, look, no. Yeah, we can't do this again. We got to keep going here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. But yes, his plan is, is like, he's going to make some noise and distract them, essentially. <laughs> which is no, in he, the best way. He's gonna, he said he was going to take out their bikes. Yeah. And... Yeah. <laughs> But yes, they, I mean, they're kind of having a motorcycle stunt spectacular in the front. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually he's just like, hey, shoot the gas tank. Mm-hmm. Explode. Yep. Shoot the gas tank. Explode. Yeah. There there are a lot of exploding micro- motorcycles in this sequence. So. Mm-hmm. Some he just, you know, apparently the bullet hits the spokes mm-hmm. and they just go flying over yeah. the handlebars. But, but nine times out of ten, that that motorcycle then keeps going, hits another pile of motorcycles, and then they all explode. <laughs> yes. So. Mm-hmm. As they do, motorcycles are very fragile. Yeah, yeah. and this also <laughs> makes everyone inside go, oh, shit, mm-hmm. and run outside. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he basically, he's able to swoop in and... Yeah, I don't know how he gets across the street into the back of the place, but he does. He yeah, goes straight to where Diane Lane is. Yeah, and it's like a weird... It, it's not. It, it's such a fast sequence. Like, he, like, whips out the butterfly knife, 
cuts the the ropes and they're already out like mm-hmm. it, yeah they're there's no escaping the this door. place yeah they're yeah. just they're out and you know rick moranis rolls up in the car and they go driving off and you kind of get william defoe emerging out of the flames <laughs> just walking right through the flames in the middle of the street of all mm-hmm. the burning motorcycles and everything and yeah because because michael Perret sends them off like yeah. rick moranis comes in with the car and, he, yeah, and he's he like puts the puts the ladies in he's like Get out of here. I'll meet up with you. I got some more shit to wreck. Yeah. Which, to which he just like he's like hitting dudes running by on the bike with a shotgun. Oh, and he in the gut baseball bats. One guy with his oh, shotgun as he's right. Oh, by. he shattered that guy's sternum. But yeah, that I mean, man's he, dead. He cuts the hoses on the on the gas tanks. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what he shoots to, to, you know, basically set the alley on fire. This really should be called alleys of fire. No. But that's what. William Defoe comes walking out through mm-hmm. and it's just basically like, hey, what's your name, dude? And Michael Bray is basically like, ah, my name's Tom Cody. Here's where I live. Here's where I'm from. I'll mm-hmm. see you around. Here's my social number. security. <laughs> yeah. phone my number. mother's maiden name. It's cool. I've got LifeLock. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and William Defoe is basically like, I'm going to come for you and I'm going to kill you and I'm going to kill everyone you know. And Michael Perry is basically like, yeah, well, whatever, dude. See ya. Yeah, price of business, I guess. <laughs> Come at me, bro. See ya. Sorry gotta I go. took your not-girlfriend, but mm-hmm. she's also my not-girlfriend, so we gotta go. And William Defoe is just like... I mean, it, This movie is just... It's like... Even the movie kind of pauses and it's like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> why is why did he tell him all that and then just leave? Here, Here is probably my number one pet peeve in movies in general, but especially like action or revenge or rescue movies, mm-hmm. is... Like, I get if you're going to do something where you have done something so badass and possibly kick their ass that you're like, they wouldn't I'm dare. a good guy. You wouldn't dare try this again. Yeah. But he just straight up comes in and is like, what? Come at me. Yeah. And it's like, fucking finish it. Like, the well, entire set, like, the entire, you, you every, have an all, out. All the, yeah. All the events after this are your fault. Yeah. Like, this mm-hmm. is all stupid from this point forward because you didn't just kill this guy. It, it's not like they went into this rescue operation with some amazing plan that was so incredible that they pulled off. It was pure luck, really, that they got the drop on him and mm-hmm. were just able to swoop in, grab her, and take off. There's There wasn't a lot of skill involved in this. It was just mm-hmm. surprise and numbers, basically, is all it was, and a shotgun that blows up motorcycles. Yes. But there's no reason for you to be that cocky in that moment and just be like, yeah, well... We're going back to the place where you kidnapped her the first time. Probably won't see you. Bye. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fucking dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's exactly what happens. <laughs> yeah. I well, mean, stylistically, it, I get it. And it's no, why you the have rest to have a reputation movie... to, like, to walk in yeah. all cocksure like that. It, yeah. Uh. And for, you know, William Defoe to just be like, who are you? What's your name? And then not know who he is. It's just like. Well, what, that's yeah. stupid. He should remember yeah. him from a couple years ago yeah. or something. He's the reason he had to leave in the first place or, or you're that something. War hero guy I heard about. Right. Or, you know, there's got to be some sort of history. Thought nope. you'd be taller. <laughs> nope. No. But yeah, and this, maybe that was cut. Maybe the director's cut. Has, maybe. I don't know. This movie does seem choppy because basically like they're driving away and they're all just like, sweet, we did it. And then Michael Prey's like, we got to ditch the car. Mm. It's like, Why? But it's not explained. They just ditch the car. And then they're in some other district, which is like the super shiny district that's, you know, nicer, 
which launches into an actual a music video invades this movie. Well, all right. So, <laughs> so there are several points about this. All right. Number one, he makes the dumb speech, which makes no sense because mm-hmm. there's no reason for him to be int- intimidated by you other than you've caused a little bit of mayhem. Yes. He sends them off in the car, mm-hmm. stays behind basically just to make that speech to, to Willem Dafoe mm-hmm. and then ride right, right off on one of their motorcycles. Yes. Which it's kind of like, well, we know you took the girl and you had other help because obviously we were looking right at the lady that was holding us <laughs> at gunpoint. Right. So I don't understand this like lone wolf stay behind right off on a motorcycle and we're scot-free thing but then apparently catches up with the car and then says we got to ditch the car like mm-hmm. there, there there's just there's too much of a leap in logic from yeah. these from these events forward yes where it's like just finish the damn movie you you had it at least kick his ass something something so that you leave a mark embarrass him in yeah. front of his friends yeah. <laughs> pull his pants down yeah cut his straps and pull his pants down but yes. yeah he's he's literally only presenting like the i one moment to willem dafoe himself mm-hmm Therefore, setting up obvious revenge and another attempt to kidnap her or whatever else. Yes. But, but yeah. so they ditch the car mm-hmm. and they wander into this other territory, which is just Vegas. Basically, it's it's everything's happening at all times. Everyone's out on the street, street party. Everything's going on. It was kind of like the Amsterdam section. I mean, uh, yes, it was, it was basically all like, you know, window <laughs> prostitutes and yeah. things like that. And this is intercut with a Diane Lane music video mm-hmm. for some reason that's kind of playing on the televisions in this town, but also playing on our television full screen. Yeah. Um, and it's very clear. It's like it switched to video yeah. from the Blu-ray. You yeah. know, like I was like, this is a straight up a music video right now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. And they're accosted by Dottie from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. He was basically just like, hey, well, simultaneously <laughs> that they, they she's come up and basically like, hey, I know who you are. You're awesome. Like, and then just starts tagging along like i don't know if there's ever been a more useless character in a movie ever like there serves literally no there is no purpose to her character absolutely whatsoever well it's also i noticed something about this movie at this point is the girl's like oh my god you're you're diane lane i'm your biggest fan you're awesome and she's like why don't you do me a favor and just get away from me? Yes, this like, begins the trend of Diane Lane being a shit to well, absolutely anybody. Everybody in this movie is a shit to everyone else the first time they meet him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone that meets someone else is like, ah, who are you? Ah, fuck you. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here's a bag of dicks. Fucking get eaten. <laughs> <laughs> Diane Lane in particular, though, hates every person that recognizes her. Like in every way, mm-hmm. like just any time there's any kind of except when she's above them on stage, like she's just like, ugh, gross. Yeah, my, it it must be she's supposed to be like a typical rock star, I guess. But it just comes across as like, fuck her. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> yeah why is anyone saving her? Yeah. Yeah. But so. But they, they flag like they're like, we need new transportation. And they see like it basically looks like an old prison bus coming mm-hmm. rolling or a church bus or something. It's not a school, but I mean. They're all the same kind of bus, but yeah. uh, it's painted like a school or church bus or mm-hmm. prison or church mm-hmm. bus. Okay. But it comes rolling, rolling up and they Michael Bray just basically stops in front of it and like puts his hand out and taps the hood and they stop like he's got some sort of superpower like <laughs> tap. Yeah. <laughs> and Killed your engine. They're basically like, hey, we're taking your bus. And we don't know right away, like what I thought it was just a guy yeah, driving just a bus. Because like it's just it's not established there's anyone else on the bus until like later. But there's a guy and and basically Michael Bray is like, hey, gun, mm-hmm. you know, I'm gonna take your bus. And he's like, sure, we'll go wherever you need. Yeah. And um, Amy Madigan then gets like, on and is like, I, I'm I, driving, I'm driving. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's not until they like get out of the Amsterdam Vegas district till they like you realize this was a band. Mm-hmm. Like 
it's just a four person band, but they had a whole bus driving their own bus. Yeah, just going to from gig to gig, I guess. And yep. and they're like the they do a song on the bus, which is basically just like Motown, almost barbershop quartet mm-hmm. style thing. Mm-hmm. And then like later, they're a completely different kind of band. But whatever. Yeah. Um, they're just you know a group, but yeah. they're all they're famous. a singing group. <laughs> Michael T. Williamson. Mm-hmm. Bubba Gump. Bubba Gump. Yes. Yeah. Robert Townsend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grandel Bush from Die Hard. Yeah. Argyle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Stony. Stony Jackson. Stony Jackson. No, not Argyle. He was uh, Agent Johnson. The other one. Mm-hmm. Not Robert Tiffy. <laughs> oh, he wasn't. That guy wasn't Robert Tiffy. <laughs> no. I was uh, in grade school, slick. <laughs> yeah. That guy. Just like hacking out. Fucking Vietnam. But I, I just. I love that they just brought Dottie along on the bus. Like, yeah. Like, like she just tags along. She just hops on the bus behind yeah. her. Even though Michael Parade had been like, yeah, why don't you get out of here? Mm-hmm. I guess they didn't have time to say no again. Right. But she's along for the rest of the adventure and serves zero purpose. Yeah. Yep. So like, I mean, there, there's like Michael Parade is literally holding the door open and is like, come on on the yeah. bus. And it's like, there is no reason to bring her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No time, man. No time. Had to yeah. just got to move. But okay. Setting so her straight would take longer. Yeah. So they're all on the bus, but they've run into a police stop now. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a a barricade of you know yeah roadblock roadblock, roadblock. for whatever reason. Well, because they're, someone blew up torches. <laughs> eh. That's what they're pissed off about. I thought they were getting away. Yeah, but like the that's, cops... that's the thing about this movie. Like, I thought they were going the other direction. It's not like they were trying to get back to torches. No, it, they're they on were the trying edge to of the district. They the, were trying to escape from the barracks or whatever they called it. Battery, battery, the yeah. battery. Okay, so and, these are these are the battery yeah. cops. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they're on. Yeah, so they're they don't stand for anyone whatever. blowing up torches. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> yeah. even though that place is like not torches. Torches is good, but like <laughs> the battery is supposedly like just the shithole. Well, yeah, like, they huge. made it sound like it all exists inside an abandoned factory. Right. And for a second, I was like, that's cool. But then it was just like, it's just a bar. I mean, there's no anything else here. But anyway, they, mm-hmm. you know, they get to this, they get to yeah. this roadblock and, and two cops get on. Yeah. And Rick Moranis is like, let me talk to them. And then Amy Manning's like, no, we'll deal with this. Yeah. But no, Rick Moranis is just like, look, yeah. cops, we got a thing to do and you're going to get out of our way. And the cops are like, ah, how about you pay us? Mm-hmm. No, he offers to pay him. Yeah, he offers yeah, to pay him. That's right. And he does. And then the cops are like, ah, you paid us too quickly. Yeah, they're like, why are you offer to pay us so quickly? Something, you know, fishy's yeah. going on here. Everyone off the bus. And then that's when yeah, Michael well, Bray pops up out of nowhere. And <laughs> yeah, like, with the shotgun. Yeah. No, you guys get off the bus. And somehow there's a half dozen cops out there, mm-hmm. all all with with shotguns, just ready. And he just, he has one gun on one of the cops and they're all like, oh, nope, yeah. you got us. Well, they didn't see, they didn't see the gun theoretically this is my fan theory they didn't see the gun through the bus window no they didn't yeah so well, the the um their instruction was get off like everything's okay and yeah. they walked out behind them and then like threw them to the ground we're like all right we throw have your guns, guns down yeah, look we so got they, guns. yeah they, they caught him yeah. off guard yep and then he fucking massacres their cars yeah, his his <laughs> magic magic explosive shotgun <laughs> makes all of these cars burst into flame whether he shoots the hood whether he shoots the gas tank, whether he shoots a window, yep. doesn't matter. Well, I, I realize it's a street sweeper, ergo made of fire. That's how it works. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. right. Yeah. Streets, yeah. Are, any streets are fire yes. in this movie. So the, the, a street and the, and the sweeper. And the floor is lava. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Makes a lot of sense yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Makes yep. a lot of sense. 
But yeah, they, but yeah, get, they, they blow get... them up and then drive the bus through them, mm-hmm. which lights the bus on fire. But that doesn't matter. That's all right. Yeah. No big deal. But like they're home. Yeah. Like they get home and get off the bus and they all run into the police station. Yeah, it's 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 a little weird because they're just kind of like, oh, cool. You did this. Well, I guess. Good job. Like well, they, they don't seem like they really know how to handle it because I no, mean, Rick no. Moranis is basically like, yeah, she she's been accosted. We're leaving. She needs to get some rest. Yeah. And they they just straight up walk out. And the cops are like, OK, bye. So I don't know why they needed to go to the police station anyway. Well, like, it was just I, we solved your crime, I guess. D- d- you know, mm-hmm. this is our collar. <laughs> and they go they all go in there and like the whole town runs in there like, hooray, she's back. And so like Michael Perry's sister runs in and literally like shoulder blocks her way past Diane Lane to get to the brother, which doesn't really make any sense because it seemed like her concern was for Diane Lane the whole time because yeah. she was like front row at the concert and was super into her. And then like she's back and she doesn't give a shit. I think she was not expecting Michael Perret to survive. I, I think I he, don't know. I think he was like, she's going to be fine because whatever. She's Diane Lane and, but, you know, she's untouchable or yeah. something. I don't know. But so they're back. And because the movie can't end yet, we need artificial conflict. And for whatever reason, everyone who just went on this adventure together now all hate each other. Mm-hmm. Like Dan, Diane Lane is like, I can't believe you accepted money to come rescue me. And then, yeah, she's completely offended. And so she's out and Rick Moranis is like, yeah, my girlfriend's offended. Fuck you, Michael Perret. And then like Amy Madigan is just kind of there. And well, she's kind of mad because she hasn't gotten paid yet. Right. To which Michael Perret says, I'll go get your money. Yeah. And she's like, but that's but even that. that's later, isn't it? Well, he goes and gets the money, but I, he but tells doesn't her she that get mad about the money later. I don't know, but they're all pissed at each other yeah, for no yeah. reason. They get back and it's just like, we succeeded. Well, we've already established sucks. these people are assholes. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if first <laughs> time you meet anyone, they're assholes. Yeah. Well, there was also an aside where, you know, uh, Diane Lane and, and Michael Perret had a little conversation. And she's like, I'm pissed at you for doing the coming to rescue me for the money. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's like, you like should have just done it for free. And it's like, well, he, you know, I. What do you care? I'm yeah, to he's like some money off yeah, your scumbag yeah, boyfriend. You're my ex. <laughs> We're not together. You're with him. Yeah. They also like uh, they don't they don't explain any of that relationship backstory, Mm-mm. which they absolutely need to do so we understand some of the motivations for either of them. I think because was, we have no idea of any of the motivations yeah. for either of those characters the, vis-a-vis each other. So I think that all those bits were in the flashbacks that kept getting truncated by music videos and such must have been the the other thing that should probably should have happened at some point because there was a lot of money exchanging hands in this movie mm-hmm. established how much something costs because oh, he yeah. did this for 10,000 space dollars, which <laughs> could be a fucking million for all I know, or mm-hmm. it could be like I did it for 300 bucks. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it, there's no frame of reference. Like I don't know what they gave Ed Bigley Jr., what they gave the cops, you know, like it's just establish something so that I know, oh, you just bribed the cops twenty dollars. Well that means ten thousand is a fuckload. Yeah. It's like no I one pays ex- for a drink in this movie. Right. Like there's no concept of, you know, how much gold press latinum is what is what I mean, for you know, whoever. Gold press latinum. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. Amy Madigan's willing to go along for ten percent of ten thousand. So that's thousand dollars. Yeah. yeah. Or, a grand is a pretty good payday for danger, I guess. Is it? Like <laughs> being shot for at risking possibly? your life? No. No. Not really. For a for a soldier that's out of work. She hadn't been able to get work. Uh, she hadn't slept anywhere comfortable since that couch. So she's maybe. it's pretty good payday for her. I guess. Ed Begley gets what, two bills? 
I right? Like, yeah, I don't know. I we mean, don't know. We don't know. That's what I'm saying. Just <laughs> no some, frame of reference. Something should I have mean, established two, it. I mean, like two yeah. physical bills, yeah. I think. But also, like when you see a it's pile of money bucks. show up in this movie, it is just alien money. Like mm-hmm. it is. It yeah. doesn't look like it's anything. Really big bills. It's, it's giant like bills. Confederate money. It's yeah. huge. <laughs> yes, maybe this. And is also maybe worth an alternate universe movie. Yeah. But, but yeah, anyway, so everyone's but, all just like, fuck all of you. And we're all just going about our ways. Yeah. And there is a scene when they meet the two cops, including uh, the dude from Top Gun, mm-hmm. where the the lead henchman for Willem Dafoe is outside sitting on a bike. And yep. Michael Perret tells him, he's like, you know, this isn't over yep. because I kind of fucked up and told him my name and my social security number and that my mother's <laughs> name is Martha and that she's actually in this movie, but she's my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> and yes. And but they go outside and they talk and the cop talks to him, but we don't hear what they say. And then later we find out that it was basically Willem Dafoe saying, I'm going to come there. He better be there. I'm going to fight him or else bad shit's going to go down. It's basically me. I'll bring two dudes only Mm -hmm. and we're coming for him. And that's it. You don't your people don't have to be worried. We're coming for him. And that's all that matters. Yeah. And if you want to keep the peace, you'll let us do it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So to this, the cop tells Michael Bray, he's like, all right, this is what they're going to do. I'm not even going to deal with that. You're leaving town. You're mm-hmm. taking her. Don't come back. Well, that's because Will and Foe went and talked to that cop directly. It was yeah. like, yeah, you know, like, keep the peace. Let me and him fight and keep everyone else out of this. Yes. And he, yeah, he's just like, nah, nah. Yeah. <laughs> you guys get on a train and get yeah, the fuck that's out. A, that's a bad plan. Just yeah. leave forever. Yes. And Michael Bray is kind of like, no, he doesn't say that to the cop, but he. But you, then he you, does. You it. clearly know he's not going anywhere. Yeah. But suddenly he's on the train. Suddenly Diane Lane's with him. Well, he goes when he goes to get the money. Yeah, he he goes to. Uh, uh, Rick Moranis has you know a hotel room or whatever, and he goes up there to get the money and gets the money mm-hmm. and Dottie is up there for no reason and she leaves and then that's it for her. I don't yep. know where she goes, but bye. She went on a big adventure. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Michael Perret basically just takes 10% of the money he was given and like, throws the rest of it down and is just like, I don't want this. This is for my mechanic lady. Mm-hmm. Bye. Yeah. And and like he kind of tells off Diane Lane at the same time. Uh-huh. And then Rick Moranis is like, oh, hey. I got that in a bargain, didn't I? Yeah. Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> and she's just like, oh, you, and runs out after him. And mm-hmm. they meet up in the rain and have an argument for about four seconds until Michael Perry is just like, we're making out now. Mm-hmm. And then cut to, we're having sex now. Yep. And she's just like, it was so, a, It was a fast series of events because they were still just as wet yeah, they were, naked they in were bed as they were in Raining in on the rain. them in yeah. bed. <laughs> it happens sometimes. And <laughs> Diane Lane is just basically like, I'm going wherever you go. And he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> he's like you're no you're going wherever you go he just like and, pets her face and it's just like that's nice <laughs> okay you could totally go where i go you got your thing going on maybe yeah but it, it's a little strange because like he goes to see um what's her face uh mccoy mccoy yep. and it's like here's your thousand dollars and like i need your help mm-hmm. come with me on this train mm-hmm. and diane lane's just sitting on the train it's like there yep. was no establishing that she was on the train ready to go mm-hmm. with them it's just like things are moving fast. We don't have time to dick around here. We got a we got a streets of fire. Yep. We got music number, numbers to get to. And yeah. and yeah, so it's basically her, him, and McCoy on the train, and she's like, All right, we're leaving town. Never mm-hmm. come back. Where are we headed? Yep. He's like, Ah, we'll figure that part out. And then the train stops at a stop, and she's like, Well, this is wherever the fuck. What are we doing? And he goes, 
eh, I'll tell you about it later. And fucking knocks her out. Just punches her right in the head. <laughs> yes. To which and, we and were then, all like, wait, hold on, yes, what? Yeah. <laughs> and then tells Amy Madigan, he's like, make sure she stays on the train until you get to Boomtown or wherever the fuck. Yeah, not like get a steak for her face that I just mutilated yeah. with my and, fist. And, and not even like, hey, you've there got a gun. There isn't any food in this universe, yeah. I'm sorry. Not even like, hey, you've got a gun, right? Why don't you hold her with this gun and make her stay on this train yeah. until it gets there? Yeah, not even have Amy Madigan conquer on the back of the head or something more normal for any movie in yeah. any era. No, he just cracks her in the fucking face. Just, I mean, what the hell, Michael Perez? <laughs> yeah. Right cross, bang. I mean, we've established you're an asshole. Everyone, she's an asshole. You're all assholes. Yeah, mm-hmm. but this is like, oh man, fuck There's you guys. There's no need for violence. <laughs> yeah, you can't even like, does this rag smell like chloroform to you? Or yeah, no, nothing. No. Just <laughs> here, no. you see my fist? <laughs> yeah, punch. Yeah, hey, does this fist feel like knuckle to you? <laughs> oh, it does. Answer me when you wake up. Yeah. I'm sorry. And then, and then he goes to the other train. He's like, all right, that train takes off. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to the other train, and the lady's like, uh-uh, not going there. And he's like... Lynn Thigpen, mind mm-hmm. you. Oh, yeah. Sassy-ass Lynn Thigpen. Yep. yep. And she's like, uh-uh, it's not going there. And he's like, hey, lady, you're taking me there. And did she's you like, see what I did to my girlfriend? Yeah. <laughs> and, and she's like... Hey, Listen, they're going nuts over there. Look, the bridge is busted. I can't even go there. And you look and like the end of the track is on fire. <laughs> right. Tracks of fire. And he's like, huh. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. Cut to the next day mm-hmm. where Bill Paxton is hanging out with the cops who are just on this, on our little alley that we've seen a billion times now. They're like, those guys are coming. We know it. Yeah. And, and he's like, well, we're just waiting for Willem Dafoe. And they're like, you, you know, we told everyone to get inside. And that's yeah. probably a good idea. And he's like, no, I want to see this guy. <laughs> I, want to, I want to see you rest him up close yeah. or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. And, and Willem Dafoe rides up with like two of his cronies. Mm-hmm. and uh, Like he promised. And just basically is like, where is he? And they're like, sorry, you're out of luck. They left. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're going to have to She's out leave. of town. He's He left town. Yeah. You're either, you know, he's like, and the cops basically start kind of walking forward with their guns. Like, you're going to have to come with us. And he's basically like, you know, I don't really like jail. I do have something else for you, which is <laughs> it's the weirdest like forties grease gun air horn looking thing. It's like and brass. it just and it goes on forever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, Ultimate yeah. fuel. Well, and like well, and the, the air was cleaner back then. And the, and the side of his face is like twitching as he's yeah. holding this thing too, because he's probably like my ears. <laughs> it looks like it's functioning like a real air horn. Yeah, because it it has like. There's a there's a little waver in the yeah. air next to it, so perhaps it was functioning as a real air horn, and it was just making his Defoe face Defoeier Defoeier, yeah, a localized <laughs> a localized Defoeation, yeah, localized hyper Defoeing Defoestation, yeah. Yeah, well, that, but, that's why we don't have any more air, clean air for yeah. these air horns to last longer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but either way, he's, he blows this horn and suddenly like every biker. 70 bikers show up. They're all him. there, like pulling trailers filled with other bikers. It's yeah. just there's bikers sitting on bikers shoulders, yeah. you know, just here are all the bikers. And the cops are like, oh, shit. And Bill Paxson's like, I'm out. <laughs> and yeah. he fucking takes <laughs> he off. Runs just back. runs around a corner, just like, bye. Well, admittedly, if I just saw 70 bikers with mm. rifles and shotguns roar up, yep. I'd be like, yeah, I think I'm out, too. Yes. 
Yeah, but luckily, Michael Pere has made it. Mm-hmm. He's there now. Yeah, he's driven back in the red car, mm-hmm. which I guess which, he picked up wherever. How? I don't know where I, he went to go get it, but that doesn't geographically geographically make any sense. Not really. But yeah, he's back. I mean, mm-hmm. except that if he was almost to their area and then got off the train and they ditched the... I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know just, just don't even. Yeah. I, oh, I, yeah. He was trying to go to the battery. Right. So and maybe coming he, back, he was just like, I know where he, I ditched yeah, the maybe, yeah, maybe. But given how much people steal this car... Leaving it sit anywhere, I think it'd be mm-hmm. gone, considering it's a one clean, nice red car in the entire yeah. movie. Yeah. Whatever. That's, yeah. that's real world logic. Yeah, man. sorry. And yeah. Will, Willem Dafoe is wearing a giant leather jacket, mm-hmm. like a full trench coat leather jacket, and under it is wearing a <laughs> more leather <laughs> whatever nonsense. More leather nonsense. <laughs> but the movie. He like takes off his, his trench coat and is just like, all right. Pickaxe time. And also, <laughs> Bill Paxton has suddenly run back around with everyone from the, the neighborhood. From this, yeah. yeah, neighborhood. And they've all brought their guns. Mm-hmm. So it is just a fucking Second Amendment party in here because <laughs> yeah. everybody's armed. Yep. And they're like, yeah. And so Defoe's like, yeah, now we're going to fight and it's going to be weird. With these. With these. <laughs> and they're like giant rock hammers. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, Let's like Andy Dufresne anime <laughs> yep. rock hammers. Yeah. <laughs> Let's anime Dufresne. In a wall. Yeah. <laughs> Crawl through a river of shit. Andy uh, Dufresne <laughs> flowers. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so they have this weird rock hammer fight, which is just a lot of, hey, look, these are real rock hammers because we're beating the fuck <laughs> out of these cars every time hey, we miss. Hey, it's worth the price of admission. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so I mean, this... It goes on a while. It, yeah, but also not really long enough because it's yeah. like he disarms Willem Dafoe of his rock hammer. And then tosses his rock hammer aside. And then he just beats Idiot. the fuck out of Willem Dafoe. Well, Willem Dafoe tackles him yeah. from oh. this point and it starts beating the shit out of him. Yeah. Until finally he gets a kick in on Willem Dafoe's face. Yes. And then this leads to him just beating the Pulling. crap out of him. Yeah. He... Almost punches him to death. I mean, these are all quick cuts. Just con- just punch, 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 punch. And Wilma Defoe goes down and lands right by his rock hammer. And you're like, ah, right. oh, that's going to well, be a problem. Well, prior to that, there, there was there was a feats of strength moment where they were like just facing off. And like, yes, it, it's actually pretty good because like Wilma Defoe, I'm sure he, he's a, he's a good actor. But like his arm starts quivering. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. Like they're really like pushing the guy about to lose the, yeah. you know, the, the arm wrestling matches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's like. Kirk versus, versus Spock levels of like we're battling to the death here. Mm-hmm, yeah. But yes, he lands right by his hammer and you're like, oh, well, that's convenient. But no, fight, no. fight's over. The biker is like, yeah, well, he walks over yeah. to <laughs> Willem Dafoe, who's kind of like stumbling there. Mm-hmm. And Michael Prey just kind of pushes him on the shoulder a little bit mm-hmm. and he just collapses. Yep. Yeah. And his, uh, his henchman is like, we are leaving. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good casting in that. Yeah. <laughs> so they just pick up <laughs> the remains of Willem Dafoe and plop him down on something and they leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To which let's, <laughs> let's go back to the club and let's yeah, play let's, some more songs Yeah, to which it's suddenly doesn't fit in, but it's the, uh, the guys from the bus singing I can dream about you. Yes. And it's, which odd. is a great song, but it doesn't fit this movie at all. No, it also doesn't as far fit, as anything else that had happened. It doesn't fit them either. It's, it doesn't really fit as that group. It's it's weird. Like it doesn't seem like a, a like a doop group would be singing no. that song. But they perform the entire song, start to finish, mm-hmm. 
And then it's time for yeah, Diane yeah. Lane. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's Rick Moranis is talking to Michael Prey mm-hmm. kind of in the background. He's like, hey, thanks for saving her. I know she's got a thing for you. I can't really stop it. Yeah. And Michael Prey is basically like, yeah, nah, but <laughs> she's going to be famous and I'm just going to hold her back. Yeah. And you're the guy she needs to be with. So good luck with all that. <laughs> thanks for being a dick the whole movie for <laughs> yeah. no reason, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, and so, you know, Diane Lane and Michael Bray have, like, a moment of, she's like, oh. Yeah, know, she's I, like, oh, so are you sticking around? And he's like, nah, you're nah. going to be famous, and I'm not going to carry your shit, yeah. so. I'll see you. Yeah. If you ever get in trouble again, call me. I'll come rescue you. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then she just goes out there, and this is, I mean, it's not a Bonnie Tyler song, but it might as well be. Oh my god! Because it's it's that epic kind of just. Oh, it's it's just I'm not singing. I'm shouting. Yeah, as loud as I possibly can. Yeah, and it's mostly just the song. It's mostly just filming the performance, but it's kind of intercut with Michael Pere leaving slowly. But it needed more of that, like more Michael Pere indecision, like if he's going to stay there or if he's going to walk out. But they don't do it enough. They only give you like two or three shots of it, and then he just leaves mm-hmm. and walks outside. And Amy Madigan rolls up in the car and is just like, hey, check out what I found. And he's like, well, can I come with you? And she's like, yeah, but remember, I'm not your type, dude, at all. And he's like, yeah, whatever. And they drive off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's the end of Streets of Fire. Yeah, apparently there was set up for two more sequels, but poor performance led to zero sequels. You don't say. That's weird. This movie didn't do well. Albert Pune sequel, which... (laughs) Like nope. Twenty five years later. Yeah. yeah. Which one week when I'm out, feel free to watch no, the I think Albert Pune okay. sequel to Streets of Fire. No, we got to stack. I'm not fucking watching to get to. Okay. Nah. Good. Good. I can't imagine what like a 2007 Albert Pune. Oh, God, like. No. So. Because, yeah. and, and that's the thing, too, is like this movie is so firmly in the 80s, mm-hmm. but also pulling from that 50s thing like it's so distinctly styled that i don't think you can like you couldn't even do a sequel unless it was like in 1985 and 1986 like even by the end of the 80s these movies wouldn't work yeah you know making a sequel to them no because so much of this movie is its style you can't make a movie look like that these days it is physically impossible yeah you couldn't come along and make a sequel to this now like even with like it would have to have a ridiculous budget to even pull this off because like that style of studio backlot filmmaking doesn't exist anymore. No. Yeah. That would all be green gone. screen and nothing. It would you, just be like, it would be like sin city. Well, and there's like so many crazy custom neon signs made for this. Like even the parking garage one, yeah. there's like this amazing looking neon parking garage sign mm-hmm. that's in a shot for like two seconds. Well, but I was like, Holy shit. Look at that thing. Yeah. There are two different sets of, neon for the stage sets mm-hmm. and they're completely different like there's there maybe it's a little bit that's exchanged between them but massive amounts of neon and i don't i don't mean like it looks like a giant vegas building but a lot of abstract weird neon shapes all over the place and that shit is was probably cheap back then yeah. because you know just there were shitloads of neon signs these days not so many neon signs. Mm-hmm. It's going to get expensive. Yeah. Ooh, it's going to get expensive, he says. It's very much of its era, which is weird because it's very much pretending not to be of its era. <laughs> no. It's strange. It's a weird thing. And there's no song in this movie called Streets of Fire. What the fuck? 
There's not even any songs about <laughs> no fire about or what happens in the movie. No, there's not. So no. people who were saying you better give it to Stargrove. No, no, nope. sorry, yeah. it does not qualify. We have rules here. <laughs> we do. It's yeah. a, it's a great soundtrack. The, the music is really yeah. good. Yes. but it's yeah, just no, doesn't qualify for that. So real ratings. Uh, I can go. All right, I'm going three jocks. Okay. Granted, it's a movie populated by unlikable assholes. But there's such an overwhelming sense of style to it and strangely a, a sense of place to it as well that works. I just like it's I, I honestly think that style that it has is pushing it up two jocks for me mm-hmm. because there's a lot of like Willem Dafoe is n- like we know he's the bad guy, but he's never like he has basically one scene to establish that he's the bad guy. And then it's just like, well, he's the bad guy. Yeah. You know, and it's just kind of left at that. I mean, look at him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. But I it, mean... it's just kind of like it's it's it feels like none of these characters have backstories, you know, like or, or if they do, they're not that interesting. They just kind of exist in this small place. But that whole, you know, influenced by MTV, literally movie style from that era, which, you know, 84 was crazy as far as that goes as far as music and movies and kind of seeing what was happening on mtv and then going how can we make this into a full movie you know purple rain probably Mm -hmm. did it better than this one did but it's certainly it's not boring i'll say that it's never boring and it's just it's really a terrific movie to look at i think i I love i love how it's lit i love how it's filmed I just wish you can like, see stuff in this movie. Yeah, which can, is a yeah. huge. Bonus. Yeah, I mean, granted, I don't think the fight scenes are very well choreographed or filmed at all. No, it, which is unfortunate because there's some neat stuff going on in their setups. But yeah, I still think it's it's three jocks worthy, especially for that soundtrack. Huh. Um, the action is not good. Mm-hmm. The character stories are not good. The pacing is not good. There's a lot of weird stuff about this movie that I don't like. But it is dripping with style. Um, and the soundtrack is great. Um, Michael Pere is just useless as an actor in this movie. Um, <laughs> I could not figure out what he was trying to do with his character or with his like his speech pattern. Uh, somebody in the live stream chat mentioned that it was, you know, a, a John Wayne impersonation, but if it's John Wayne, it's the least John Wayne thing that I've literally ever seen. Willem Dafoe is just what you expect out of him. He does all the weird things. You know, he's cast for his face and yelling and intensity, <laughs> and you you get all of that out of him. Um, but it's kind of hard to watch, I think, because of the pacing and because of the like complete lack of any character motivations or any understandable character motivations. I like the car a lot. Like I really like that car. Like it's it did its job. It showed up and went. Look at me! I'm the coolest fucking thing in this movie. Good job, car. Um, <laughs> it's weird, but I just really liked it. It 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 kept my it kept me wrapped. I was just looking at that car the entire time it was on screen. That's what I was looking at. Um, but I think I can give it two jocks though. It's it's got enough style. Um, it's got enough weird stuff to look at and weird stuff going on. The music is eerily appropriate for what this movie looks like. So it's fun. Two jocks. Thank you. Come again. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can agree with that. 
I can give it two jocks also. Uh, we've been throwing around the word style a lot. This movie is very much style over substance. It, it absolutely is because it is frustrating how badly the story is told in this movie. Yeah. The, the pacing of the story is dreadful. Um, it feels like huge chunks of story have been ripped out and replaced with look at stuff, which in some movies is totally fine. I wanted a little bit more of point A to point B to point C in this to make sense. I needed more William Defoe to really make me give a shit. I needed some kind of explanation for that totally fucking stupid Michael Perret moment of here's my name. Here's where I live by thing confrontation. It's just that's terrible. That's bad. That's in every way. That's bad. Like you, you uh, a newborn baby on this planet wouldn't be that stupid. <laughs> wouldn't be that trusting to be like, here's all my information. I'm trusting you're not coming after me. I'll see you later. Um, Even though he tells him he's coming after him. Yeah. He's like, I'm coming to get you. And he's like, okay, well, I'll see you, buddy. Yeah, it works for me, man. Yeah. So I admire how much this movie is in love with its style. And I admire how much this movie is in love with its music. It, it glorifies the soundtrack and it glorifies every actual like stage music number that it does. And, the, you know, just those scenes alone, I really like them. I think mm-hmm. that just the the showmanship and performance stuff, even though it's, you know, lip sync and all that, I think those scenes are well done. But that is correct. It's just uh, those scenes take the place of story. And that's kind of a bummer for what this movie is. It It's too, the movie is too odd to be considered a good movie, but not odd enough to be something that we can really get behind and go. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, that this thing happened and this thing happened and this thing happened. But you can't show this to like your parents and go. Here's a cool 80s movie. They would be like, what the fuck is this? You can't show it to anybody and say, here's a cool 80s movie. (laughs) Yeah, it's just it's 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 a weird balance of it's not weird enough, but it's just weird. And so it's just in this weird mid ground era area where I can't figure out exactly what this movie is trying. There's to a do. direct director's cut that lives somewhere has to that is really fucking good. That's like a four jocks movie. I think so. Because, you know, this is 93 minutes and it doesn't feel like it should be. It feels like it should be more epic. It's called Streets of Fire, for God's sakes. Right. And and there, there was... is one point where the street is on fire. Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. So anyway, two jocks. Yeah, um, I I don't even think I can go that high. I think I'm going to give it a single jocks, and that that is just to say I would recommend seeing this because it has some style. Um, but like practically everything else about it to me is throwaway. I mean, Diane Lane is a pretty lady, especially at the time, and I I mean I kind of forgot how handsome Michael Perret was back mm-hmm. in his day. Like I mean, he had like leading man thing look to him yep. mm-hmm. just not necessarily in his actions um because he's he's awfully mumbly and maybe that's where they're going with like the there was a, i will say there was one moment where he had like something he delivered sort of john wayne-esque mm-hmm. which i could see why people would say that but like it was really one line and i think that was about the point where i picked up my phone and it went is this another like you know walter hill based on a kurosawa or other western thing Mm -hmm. you know like i just had that moment where i was like is this is this like a thing based on another thing that i'm not aware of you know so yeah yeah it's just it's it's full of sound and fury and signifying nothing (laughs) (laughs) um yeah yeah, i just it's it's also weird the way they like dressed michael perret to go back to that for a second like he's got sort of the the physical shape that you expect out of a leading man type mm-hmm. dude. Um, 
but they do a really terrible job with his hair and a really terrible job with his outfits because he's wearing like the dumbest stuff in the <laughs> like. I mean, he gets in the fist fight in suspenders. Right. Right. It's yeah. yeah. Like I know, sure. Like somebody back in the you know back in the brawling forties would be wearing that, but your leading man needs to be dressed like you know like somebody who is trying to be attractive. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah, and it's weird because like I mean. I, you know, I, I was alive in 1984, not aware of things like Streets of Fire, but like looking at some of like the promo stuff that was out there, I'd be pissed. Like it is, it looks like a case where they are selling you the, uh, the wrong movie. Yeah. Like there are shots where it's like him and uh, Diane Lane, like hugging up and it's like they're barely together. They barely seem like they can tolerate each other when yeah. they are together. There is no romance connection. Other than like he could have gotten paid, it seems like there's not a lot of motivation for him to go get her and no chemistry. Yeah, no chemistry together. I mean, there's just it just seems like one of those things that was like kind of destined to fail. Like you you had some lofty ideas and somehow it just spectacularly combusted on you. Yeah, I think somebody said that that Perret said in an interview that um, Rick Moranis was a jerk to him, and I've never heard anything bad said about Rick Moranis. And I don't think I want to hear anything bad about I, Rick Moranis. It probably goes anyway. back to what Mackie was saying about how he wasn't allowed to break script. Yeah. So I, I, he was probably. I wonder grumpy. maybe maybe if it was Michael Pere that was just was not easy to work with and nobody wanted to be near him. I don't know. I don't yeah. Know. yeah it's, it's tough to say. Like, I mean, it, this is the kind of movie that actually makes me question, like, my statement about Walter Hill making good movies. <laughs> Sadly, I'm just like the, the editing and stuff in this is so bad that it's like, am I misremembering? Like. I, I have a dear love for the Warriors. I haven't seen it in many years, but like maybe it got cut to death in the editing. I right? think the Warriors is better than this. Yeah, that poster is fucking jamming though. Oh sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, there, guys, there are things I want to like more about this movie. I look mean, at that poster and just I like <sighs> exploding motorcycles. Man, I mean, that's got to be on somebody's wall. Like me too. It yeah. deserves <laughs> to be on somebody's wall. It's such a good poster. And I mean, this also seems like a case. I, I understand in 1984 we were still like on this like you were one side or the other, but I mean the, this movie being PG. Is weird because like there should be violent like more violence in this and your 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 themes your central themes are more than probably should be in a PG movie. Yeah, I don't yeah, understand. And I mean the fight they beat the shit out of each other in that fight. I, yeah, I mean I like I said I understand 1984 there was no PG 13 yet or it, it was coming it was on the precipice of happening but mm-hmm. um you know it's just like it was like this movie doesn't feel like it should like they should have like the studio came along and be like ah eh, make it PG more people will see it but it's like. No, it this, doesn't appeal is, to yeah, under thirteen not, year olds. Yeah, this is not the movie to do that yeah. with. Yeah, this movie should be sexy and violent, and it's yeah. na- it's neither. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, so, uh, shall we take a break? We should. Sure. Yeah. All right, welcome back. Hey, hey. second half, Woo. second half, half oh. number two. The uh, second, so we're going to talk about some movies this half. We are. Um, you guys, I, I guess it's a good idea. I'll jump off with one because the next two we're going to talk about are kind of a paired thing for me. Okay. Um, so I watched the Lego Batman movie. Oh, Lego Batman. Oh. Yeah. Um, it's it's really good and really charming. Uh, I don't think it's as charming as the Lego movie proper, mm-hmm. but it's still really good. 
it's kind of weird because like you can come at it from like knowing basically nothing about Batman or like they they throw you some serious bones if you are a huge Batman fan um throughout the years and all incarnations. Mm-hmm. Um I God, I I feel I feel like everything look all right, this one is so obscure. I'm not even going to call it a spoiler. It's like it's it's just the thing that like made me smile the most. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I don't know the people that create these movies. I don't know who they know, but like both casts in the Lego movie and this are incredible. Like you have to go 20, 30 names deep before you stop recognizing people. Mm-hmm. Um, and my favorite bit of casting is the voice of two face is Billy D Williams. <laughs> and I was like, bravo. Yeah. Like that's fucking awesome. Very nice. Yeah. Finally. They knew. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's a cute, it's a super charming movie. Um, it's really funny at times. I mean, my my favorite bits are like some of the things that start the movie. Like, um, oh my god, I just blanked on his name. Will Arnett mm-hmm. uh, narrating the opening credits and the uh, like the logo crawls and everything is just awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's good. If you like the Lego Movie, you should watch this too. If you didn't like the Lego Movie, this is still not going to be for you. Right. Um, I mean, same style of animation, same rapid fire so- kind of jokes. I have a very important question. Okay. Did they show his parents getting killed in Lego form? No. <laughs> They're not little. Did you did you want that? <laughs> yeah. It's oh, in okay. every what? Batman that thing is one ever. Batman death scene <laughs> that I actually want for the four hundredth time because it would be in fucking Legos. And that is inherently funny to me. Yeah, there's no I mean, there's like pictures of his parents and things like that there's lots of talk about being orphans and whatnot but i mean there's no recreation of the parents murder thing in the in the rated g kids movie oh. uh, maybe pg i don't know does it acknowledge the other movie the the lego movie yeah um like could you tell it's of the same universe it's not important it's just curious yeah i mean i'm trying to remember if there was like any specific like probably someone who's seen both of them more times than i have mm-hmm. uh could probably answer that better i didn't catch anything that was like oh okay yeah that's okay um but i mean it acknowledges all cinematic adventures of batman okay both in television and everything else like there are little jokes about just about everything i'll take that so all right but yeah um that's 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 it that's i mean like i said you're you're i feel like you're either on board or you're not with that and i would say it's close to being on par with lego movie prime and I think maybe that just, I think that just worked maybe because it was like, oh, shit, this is actually working. This is actually a good movie. Like, there is no reason this weird little licensed product should be a good movie. They just happen to make one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess we got a movie we yeah, share. Shared movie. Yeah. Uh, watch Fist Fight with Ice Cube and Charlie Day. Oh, yeah. That thing. And Three a bunch of high. other people you recognize. That's a movie that that's one of those comedies where they're like, all right, here's your cast. We are not asking them to step out of their <laughs> lane in any way whatsoever. Everyone in this movie is going to do exactly what you think they're going to be doing. And so you're Charlie either Day on board yell. for Yeah, you're either on board for that or you're not. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And I I was on board for it because I what they they use Ice Cube best because he's a complete straight man throughout. Mm-hmm. He's never cracking jokes or anything like that. And any jokes are like, you know, meta Stuff like, you know, when there's a part with the police, you know, him going, fuck the police, you know, just stuff like that, which works better than I'm making it sound. But 
you know, yeah. you described it pretty good. No, no, but I'm just like, <laughs> or, like, or like he straight laced it. You know, like there's a he's trying to show a video about the Civil War to his class, and you know they're having problems with the video player. And he's like, half these kids in here think it's about Batman versus Superman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it just it works because like he's just clueless enough yeah, that he, it that it works. And they're just like they have like the seething anger Ice Cube that you want. Mm-hmm. Like that's why all his family movies and bullshit like that doesn't work is because Ice Cube is just he's at his best when he's an inherently pissed off human being. Mm-hmm. Like you just, you know, you listen to straight out of Compton and it's just like, he, that is some of the angriest shit ever put down on a record ever. And it's like, we need that guy. That guy needs to keep being around. We need that. We don't guy. need a happy ice cube. We don't need friendly ice cube. We need ice cube who just wants to beat the fuck out of somebody. Okay. And that's somebody's Charlie day <laughs> who it's, he, you know, the, the role they've got him in is the, uh, the put upon guy, he's like almost like a Ben Stiller type thing, you know, where it's like he's put upon and everybody shits on this guy, regardless of, you know, if what he he's done or, or if he deserves it. Yeah. But there's a point where it kind of flips and he's just making everything worse by all the things he's trying to do to get out of everything. You know, it's like he's the one escalating the situation by instead of just like saying, all right, fine, whatever. Let's just get this over with. Mm-hmm. He keeps escalating it by trying to do crazier and crazier stuff. And that kind of. It works. Like, like, you know, if, if you like Charlie Day and you like Ice Cube, it's going to work for you. And I also like that they don't cop out by the end of it. They're not, you know, they don't, they don't do any bullshit as far as, like, I mean, I, mean, I, I don't, yeah. I know we get weird about spoilers, but I, I like where it goes by the end of it. And it doesn't feel like they took a cheap, easy way out of it, which I was kind of almost thinking was going to happen about midway through. I was like, eh. They're going to do this, aren't they? And luckily, they don't hmm. do the cheesy thing. Good. But yeah, I, I mean, it's it's not a great movie at all. It's not one of the best comedies I've seen, but it was entertaining for 93 minutes. So yeah, it's 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 like the very definition of like a passable comedy. Like you will chuckle and then kind of throw it on a shelf and be like, that was somewhat enjoyable. And now it can live there forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Do you have anything else to add to it? Not really. Okay, so I also want to talk about another movie I I watched, um, which I watched before this and not in any way preparing for or making any sort of connection until after I started watching this movie. It became painfully uh, clear, and it's already been mentioned in the chat, but uh, I'd actually never seen the movie Three O'Clock High in its entirety. Yep. Um, And it's weird how much this movie parallels that plot. And I mean, I know this is not a new plot, you know, idea. It's your basic like standoff at a time kind mm-hmm. of thing. And, you know, one guy maybe trying to get out of it or get, you know, defuse the situation or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just kind of decided to watch this movie. And man, like I, I know a lot of people have a lot of high regard for that movie and I'm not about to shit on it. I'm just stating that up front. <laughs> but like it, it's one of those movies like I feel like three quarters of it is damn near close to a masterpiece and I just don't necessarily like the way it ends mm-hmm. um, because it, it just kind of gets a little weird by the end and and like you said it's not it's not a cop-out ending it's just like it's not the ending doesn't feel like the rest of the movie it feels like someone came in and like the studio or an editor or something that was not the guy originally making it came in and like did something just something about the pacing or whatever feels like it breaks in the last act mm-hmm. and it, and it's very strange because like that movie is shot by shot just like 
a really, really well-made movie, like a, a surprisingly good movie, like for its genre. Like there was no, somebody was like, I'm going to make the best movie I can. I don't care if I'm making like a teen movie, you know, kind of deal. Yeah. Like, yeah, like you know, John Hughes just had his formula. I mean, he just kind of made made stuff that worked. This was like, no, I'm I'm going to try to like elevate this to an, another level. And then, like I said, it's just something about the last act just doesn't resonate like it should mm-hmm. based on the rest of the movie. So, but yeah, at least I finally. I mean, I'd seen snippets growing up, but just never like sat and watched it from beginning to end. So, somebody whose opinions I respect highly on film cited that as one of their favorite movies. I was like, you know what? I think I need to see this. So. I'd still re- very much recommend it. Like, I'm not saying the the ending like completely ruins the movie. It just it feels off in some way. Like, it had a different tone. Yeah. So, well, I apparently agree with you because I went and looked up my review for it, and I was like, the fight is the only real flaw of the film. Like, there's just something about it that just isn't right. Yeah, and I, and I can't put my finger on yeah. it. It's it's just it feels slightly off. But yeah, but I mean, it's got like really inventive filmmaking going mm-hmm. on, and it's not like it's not pretentious bullshit filmmaking. No. It's like th- this guy had a sense of style mm-hmm. and used it and it doesn't get in the way. It just makes the movie a little cooler for an era of high school movies that were basically like put the camera on the tripod. And, right. You know, and, and it's, I meant to make this point. Um, there is a shot in uh fist fight that it's funny because I mean, like as if the plot wasn't doing it enough and maybe I, Maybe I became slightly more aware of filmmaking because I started going like, oh, this is basically three o'clock high, but with adults, you know, and them saying Mm -hmm. fuck a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot. Yeah. um, There is a shot like, I don't know if the setting matters. There is a shot involving some prison bars that I really appreciated because they framed the actors sitting in such a way because like the, the camera is dollying in on the on the jail bars. And the and the characters never move between bars. Mm-hmm. Like they're they are sitting in such a way that they're like framed between these two bars, and the camera moves closer, and they stay in the same space between the same two bars. Yeah. And I was like, "That's good. Like, that's not easy mm-hmm. to do." And you just kind of like dolly zoomed or something to get that that to stay. Yeah. And that's I appreciated it. Like I said, maybe I just became slightly more aware of filmmaking. Because I having just watched Three O'clock High, which has a ton of like, oh wow, like that's a really good transition shot. Oh wow, that's that's a symbolic shot of a clock that means something. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just like a lot of things happening in that movie. So, I guess you know when you're a professional filmmaker, you should know how to do these things. But it's amazing how many times people don't. They just don't. Yeah, <laughs> don't frame their shots in any way, shape, or form. Just I don't know, point the camera and you talk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep. Well, so many, uh, especially like. With Fistfight, it was by a TV director who'd mm-hmm. done a lot of Always Sunny, a whole bunch of other shows, and never done a feature film. And you would just wonder if they had, like, you know, coverage happening at certain Maybe, points in the movie yeah. where it's just like, yeah, we got three cameras, we'll get it. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I would be shocked to, to learn that, the, like, the filmmaker or somebody that wrote Fistfight was not a giant fan of Three O'Clock High. Like, I mean, it's so, so beat by beat, very it's similar. Be. Yeah. 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 When I saw the trailer, I was like, oh. They yeah. remade Three O'clock High. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, Tracy Tracy Morgan's in it though, and Jillian Bell. I mean, there's like there's good people people that are good at saying fuck a lot. So it <laughs> mm-hmm. it has some laughs. Yeah. Good. But Three O'clock High is a, definitely a thing you should go visit if you missed that in the '80s or whatever. Yep. I'll check it out. Okay. Do you guys want some emails? 
Sure. Yes. Some voicemails. Let's do it. Some MP3 mails. Yes. Three mails. Let's start with a voicemail. Okay. Hey, guys. Justin Farrell from uh, Lions of Nebraska here. Uh, two things for you. <clears throat> a few episodes ago, you guys were talking about the rock group Sorcery and how their website looked like it was something out of the 90s. Well, I actually went to that website and ordered their CDs, two of their CDs, and there was a, a little bit of a screw-up in the order. Uh, no real big deal, but I got to talking to somebody in the band. We emailed each other back and forth a few times, and I got the CDs, and, you know, the website works great. Uh, the CDs are great. And I even told them, I go, you really should call BMF Cast and give them a shout-out because I've been plugging you a little bit. And I was just calling to see if uh, they ever had, and I just missed the call. And as for getting all the swag by asking a question that will really get a good discussion going, my question to you guys is, have you ever been really hard on a movie because of somebody in it, uh, whether behind the camera or in front of the camera? You really hated that person, and the movie was pretty good, but you're like, I can't stand that person. Uh, so this movie sucks, which I refer to as the Julia Roberts syndrome because I can't stand her. She may be in some good movies, but I can't stand her. So anyway uh j man out so first off justin sorcery has never emailed us no. or that sent we us know shout of. outs or called us or anything i would they could I would have expect sent... them to like send a raven or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know they may, they, there's probably a raven sitting at the old studio waiting for That's us true, yeah. a few weeks ago there was yeah. a raven that was just shouting at me as i was leaving work yeah. uh, i bet that sorcery <laughs> sorcery sorcery yeah stop my stop neighborhood rock. we have hawks and, and the mockingbirds chase them all away. It's so I'm wondering if they sent me a hawk yeah. mm, and the mockingbirds yeah. keep chasing off the hawk yeah, that has the sorcery message. Man, they should sorcery. upgrade their messaging system because <laughs> there are too many <laughs> other factors involved here. They're still paying off that hot website design, so mm. you have to wait. But hey, yeah, man, they're still selling CDs. Good on them. Yeah, as far as uh, movies, just rejecting them. Because of someone involved in them. Mm -hmm. uh, my biggest one has to be Face Off. Because I hate John Travolta. And in the late 90s, I kind of hated Nick Cage. Because I didn't quite get him. Mm -hmm. you know. And, and that's a movie I really honestly need to revisit at some point. because. But at the time, it was like, wow, two of my least favorite actors pretending to be each other. <laughs> and pretending to do each other's terrible acting. Yeah. This is going to go well. And I remember the boat chase being fun. And the I could eat a peach for hours thing. And I kind of have blocked everything else about that movie out of my mind. So I probably need that again, but yeah, John Travolta does that to me a lot. Like Pulp Fiction is pretty much the only movie that I can be like, all right, yeah, I can handle this movie with him in it. Otherwise put him in anything else. And that movie can fuck right off. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anybody else? You also refuse to watch anything Albert Pune. Oh yeah, but those are never. There's never any good movies. <laughs> That's the difference. Like he, he said, what, what a movie movies that might actually be good, but you're just like, nah, fuck that one thing in them. Oh, hmm, yeah. I was gonna start listing directors that I've just like basically said no, like not anymore. Like, yeah, honestly, well, like I'll, Zack I'll... Snyder could make a good movie, and I'd probably be like, you know what, nah. I'm good, thanks. I was going to say Shyamalan, but I think I'm going to watch Split. I mean, yeah. to find out that it's related to the one movie I've always considered to be the good Shyamalan movie, I think I have to like give it a try. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've listed the actors and actresses I just 
cannot stand for whatever reason before. Yeah, so what, like Kristen Wiig was one of them. Right? Uh, well, I mean, you've you started to get over her. I, yeah, get I, over I, I think I flipped my wig a little bit. Um, as someone said, not me. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I don't like Michelle Pfeiffer, but she won't make me not watch a movie at the same time. Well, she's only made one movie in the last 20 years, so okay, you're doing all right there. Well, I mean, I'm just like... <laughs> you haven't missed her. Well, I, I just mean like if I go back and I'm like, eh, I'm not going to watch that movie. Okay. I, you know, I've said my piece on like Nicky Cat and uh, what's his face from, even though he's in Pacific Rim. Uh, God damn it. It's right there. Mm-hmm. The guy with the bow tie in Pacific oh, Rim. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I can't remember his name now Shit. off the top of my head. Oh, Burn Gorman? No, not Burn Gorman. The, um, the one that has like a cane. Oh, and, oh, yeah, oh, I oh. Can't oh, the one I always see and I think of you every time I see yeah. him. Yeah. Um, what? Damn it. I can see his name. Something, something, something. Charlie Clif- Clifton Collins Jr. Clifton yes, oh, thank you. Okay, that guy. <laughs> I just had to say something, something, something. Yeah, something, something, something. Yes. Yeah. So I I just don't like him. But they, they're not like big enough actors to like run a movie, though. They're just they ruin a movie if they show up for a few seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've turned hard on Bruce Willis. Like, yeah. I, I can't fucking yeah. stand him. And like, if it was a movie that I've seen that he was in that I loved, I can still pretty much tolerate it. But if I'm watching a Bruce Willis movie I've never seen, I'm like, man, fuck you. Mm-hmm. I hope you lost all this money on gambling or some shit, man. Fuck you. Like I just, <laughs> I can't stand him now. He just pisses me off to no end. And I'm thankful that he just does direct video bullshit now because I really don't have to see him that much. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, there was a time there when like Madonna was making movies, but she's never been good at any of them. No, but. Uh, you, uh, never. Were you going to mention the Bond movie? No, I'm going to mention fucking Evita, which is amazing. <laughs> oh, well, I okay. never saw Evita. But like when she was when when it was that t- that period of time when like every movie was some bullshit erotic thriller. Oh, God. And yeah. like the one she was in with Willem Dafoe. And it's like, I never know if these are good movies or not because I can't fucking stand her. And there was that one where she was like taken prisoner on an island or something it's just swept away yeah it's just all these fucking it's just like every time i see her i just like man you're bad you're awful and you're this movie may be good but i can't i have no i can't look past you well evita works because they they use that to the strength of the movie i figure is that the character or the the person and the character are not likable and yet they get convinced people to like them you know so I'm just saying that it works in the movie's favor. Yeah. There are just some people that when I see them pop out of a movie, I'm just like, ah, no. But not enough to where it just kind of ruins it. Mm-hmm. But there are definitely names I'll see in credits where I'm just like, oh, God. That's... Well, I mean, it, it's it, it's a thing like once you start to notice it, like you can't unnotice it. Like people that you realize became famous solely for their looks. Like, I mean, yeah, I'm sorry, but to me, Michelle Pfeiffer is one of them. I just never enjoyed her as an actress. Hmm. Halle Berry, uh, obviously January Jones. You know, oh, God. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Thanks, I right. okay. yeah. X-Men first class. Yes. I'm just saying like people that yep. it's like, oh, wow, you're you're pretty. And wow. Like now that I realize like as once <laughs> that wipes off and I realize like you're just you're pretty. You're actually kind of a terrible actor. I was so mad when I rewatched first class. Because I had forgotten she was in it, uh. and she showed up, and I was like, "God damn it!" Yeah, <laughs> I was so mad. Yeah, that—that's like the only that and the weird slap together ending are like the only faults of that movie. Yeah. Um, God, yeah, boy, she infuriates me. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm trying to think of like, there's, there's guys that are the exact same thing. It's like, wow, you I mean, there's maybe the dude has a personality that has yet to emerge, but like someone like army hammer, it's like, there has never been a dude that's like more milk toast than that dude. Yeah. Like it's just, it's just like, and keeps getting, keeps chances. getting huge roles. Yeah. 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 Huge roles. Yeah. I, I can say I literally, of course he was good in social network. Yeah. That's why? Yes. Uh, Johnny Depp, like that. Mm-hmm. I see that fucker in a trailer, oh, yeah, and I'm, I'm just sorry. like, man, fuck off, whatever movie this I, is. I was, I was quite literally borderline with my tolerance for him anyway, just yeah. with like Tim Burton weird makeup bullshit, and then like you know, actual life yep. stories came out. I was like, yeah, hundred percent, fuck that guy. Yeah, and I don't understand why Hollywood is convinced that we're at one point just going to do nothing but love him. Like they keep trying. It, it seems like the public has been like, yeah, you know, Johnny Depp, nah. And Hollywood's like, no, no, wait till you see him in this movie. He's got a weird face. And you're like, no, thank you. <laughs> I do not want Mordecai. No. Yeah. Well, have you seen him with a weird face and a hat? It's like, no, <laughs> please stop. <laughs> and it, just he was nominated for an Oscar mm-hmm. for Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one. Wait, what? Yes. Really? Yes. Yes. Everybody that, loved that, that one. That character was nominated for an Oscar. Everybody loved that one. <sighs> and now look where that fucking series is. Where yeah. It is just like what... Take something that people love and just grind Beat it. it to death. Just <laughs> grind every nickel out of it. Yeah. That's why we get four of every fucking movie that's made. That's why we have 90. 90- That's why there's a fifth Transformers movie. Fifth Transformers. Somebody's watching them. We have I a, think they're all in China, but somebody's watching. Oh, we yeah, have things movies, called yeah. cinematic universes now. Mm-hmm, we, we never. Do. There's never a single movie by itself. I mean, there is, but I'm being <laughs> hyperbolic for the sake of comedy mm-hmm. um, and for the sake of making a point. But yeah, that's. That's that's why we have this shit is because you just grind every every dollar out of. I'm trying to figure out anything which that is, people like, which is weirder about this summer's movies that there is a fifth movie based on a toy line or a fifth movie based on a theme park ride. Yeah. Yeah. Like we said, streets of fire can't make that anymore. No. And of course that came out what a week or two before gremlins and ghostbusters. So that, that fucker never had a chance. No, no it was, it was doomed from the start, yeah, but, but like there used to be like, you, you used to be able to have style like that. And I think now, if you have any sort of budget whatsoever, that shit gets hammered out completely. Yeah. Man, remember when Disney was going to make all their rides into movies and, like, tried a couple and fucked it up, like the Country Bears and all that shit? Yeah. And well, then Pirates caught on, and then they really never did anything except that. Well, that's because that. they just shifted over to remaking all their cartoons as guess, live yeah. action. Well, they did uh, do Tomorrowland. Like post yeah. post pirates, and they thing. did haunted mansion. That's not a they? ride. That's uh, that's a land. I mean, it's a land, <laughs> right? It's not a ride. It's it's the right in the right concept, but it's it's weird. Well, Pirates of the Caribbean had nothing to do with that stupid ride. And so no. that's not true. Except, when, except was, when Johnny Depp goes and hangs out in the ride. No, there was yeah, a part where the people. dog with the keys, and they were trying to get it to come over. Yeah. Yeah. And now they change. They change the. Uh, they the change ride the ride itself. to fit. Yeah, yeah. that's when I was there. Yeah, and it's shitty. It is. It's dumb. It should, his animatronic doesn't fit in with any of the other no. ones. It's like you can't just build this like super modern Johnny Depp and then have your other guys who are like arm on a swivel swinging a broom at somebody yeah. on like just a yeah. rotating platform. They look like a, welted, a melted wax yeah. person. <laughs> you had mentioned 
Travolta, which sparked a memory that I had seen a movie recently uh, called Killing Season. It's the one with him and De Niro. They both no just, idea what that is. They both just do movies that are direct to video now. But uh, uh, it's it's Travolta with a Serbian accent, and it's every bit as hilarious as you think that is. Does Travolta have any <laughs> idea what Serbia is? I don't think so. It's pretty good. Nice. He's got a shaved head with a chin beard. I was about to ask if he had a stupid beard. <laughs> yes, he does. That fucker. Oh, like, oh. He's got whatever his drawn-in hair is, but uh. it's shaved, and it merges into a beard that's not... It's just a chin strap. It's nothing else. It's, he looks ridiculous and sounds ridiculous in it, and De Niro owns him in every second of the movie, just barely acting, but acting circles around mm-hmm. him. It's, it's not a bad film. It's pretty good. All right. So they're both trying to kill each other. Sweet in the woods, man. Because Bosnia. I hope. I hope he kills Travolta. <laughs> Did he hurt his Covina? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, you want to do another voicemail? Sure. This one, MP3 mail. Ooh, fancy. Yeah. Oh no, because we can't do that anymore. It's actually M4A. <gasps> Remember the MP3 oh, license went away. Yeah, but you can still. Greetings, Banffcast. This is Chris from Canada. A and such. I'm a longtime listener, first-time caller, sending you this voice email, or V-mail, if you will, because I've decided that you totally missed out on a golden opportunity for a pun. This past anime... You made a particular comment that a movie was like an anime version of Enemy at the Gates. Your resident pun expert, Harlow, didn't even think to make a comment about anime at the gates. And that made me very sad. So, yeah, I just decided that I would, you know, give you a call and let you know that you missed out on the pun anime at the gates. Um, Now, with that out of the way, I have two movie recommendations. I want to recommend Mad Max Fury Road Black and Chrome Edition <laughs> and Logan Noir. While they're not Banffcast movies, I'm really curious to see what you think about them. So give them a watch. Until next time, this is Chris from Canada signing off. Crash and burn. Chuck, why are you so broken by that voice? I don't know. I like, I like the <laughs> Canadian diction of that email. <laughs> Something about the way it yeah. was spoken, it tickled me. I enjoyed it. Yeah, we'll probably watch those movies. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay, Logan Noir. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, the problem with Logan Noir is that movie's not a noir. That movie's know. a Western. Yeah. And so much of it takes place in brightly lit daytime settings, which doesn't really work. Uh, the only The only part of it that really worked well for me was uh, the nighttime stuff at the farm. Because it's lit like, you know, like a black and white film would be almost. And that stuff works pretty well. But otherwise, it's just kind of like, yep, here's that movie with no color. It's just, I, I I don't know if that's like the new 3D up res or, you know, the 3D conversion. Now they're like, we got it. We need a bonus version of the film. It's a it's a strange trend that's barely a trend. But I remember like when The Mist was trying to do it. Like, they just kept saying, man, there's this black and white cut of the mist. It's so good. And it's like, really? I mean, the movie has problems. I doubt taking out the color is going to make that movie not suck at the end. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and and I know, like, black and chrome was, like, totally regraded. Yeah. It wasn't like they just, like, 
you know, you could just set your TV's contrast or, you know, right. set the, co- turn the contrast up and turn the color down to zero, you know, you could, but. Yeah, I was going to say, I, the, the thing with the Logan is like, I, I can turn my TV to black and white. Yeah. I own the blood and chrome edition. I just haven't watched it yet because I bought the like crazy all things Mad Max set. But I think like he, like at one point was lobbying to shoot it that way mm-hmm. in black and white. Like Heat. he wanted it. Like to, Michael Mann Heat? No, he. As oh, in, he, he. Yeah. George Miller. Right. Okay. I, I thought that he was lobbying to film it in black and white, and yeah. that's why they did such I mean, care with that transfer. I appreciate that these are, you know, that these exist, that it lets you focus on, you know, the lighting more and that sort of thing, but I don't know. It's weird to me that, like, to hear that if if he was looking to do Fury Road in black and white, like why the colors are so vibrant in that movie. Yeah. Can't do a black and white. I'm doing it in all the yeah, fucking colors. Every color. Yeah. <laughs> I will use them all. I'm just I mean, I'm, that movie's HDR as fuck, you know, like yeah. super yeah. like deep contrasts and things like that. I guess what I don't necessarily understand about it is that black and white was never necessarily a stylistic choice. It was just simply cost. It was what was available and mm-hmm. what was cheaper and what fit the budget. There there were times, 50s and 60s, where some movies did decide to shoot black and white versus color, whatever. But nine times out of ten, it was a budget issue. It wasn't yeah. like a, I'm going for a look here. I think it's that it has become a going for a look thing. Yeah. So, you know. Because, I mean, like, you look like Turner Classic Movies has this strange following on Twitter now where people are live tweeting noir movies and it's like well that's odd. I mean it's good but it's odd so I mean mm-hmm. it's building some sort of momentum somehow but just to you know look Logan seems egregious to me that just seems like a it why are you doing wasn't that? asking for it yeah yeah and when I watched Logan at no point was I like man if this was in black and white it would be elegant I was just like this movie's it's kind of desaturated as it is mm-hmm yeah, but I it just it didn't it didn't really feel like anything different except in the nighttime farm scenes. Yeah. That that's when it felt like okay, this is not just the movie with the color removed. <laughs> yeah. But and and the thing about black and white too is you know, you think about a movie like uh Coen Brothers Man who wasn't there. That's about I think 15 years old now mm-hmm. where like the way you light a black and white movie is different than the way you light a color movie. Yeah. It just is. Yep. And and a lot of stuff just has to be colored the right way in order to show up on black and white properly. Mm-hmm. And otherwise it just looks like a desaturated version of the movie. And I think that's why this also kind of doesn't work because it's almost like they have to go in and regrade the entire movie and you can't really change lighting that much without making it look super artificial. Yeah. But I mean, you watch something like man who wasn't there and that movie's fucking gorgeous. Yes. Like it, almost every frame of that movie is a goddamn painting mm-hmm. in black and white, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's all about the light and the color. And I don't think movies have been shot like that for a while now, you know, since we've gone to digital, it's like, it doesn't, it just doesn't work the same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird. I I've gone so long without watching. I mean, I was going through a period where it was like, all right, what's all the classic movies I never saw, like watch them all kind of thing mm-hmm. that like, honestly, I, I, it's been so long since I watched black and white movies on the regular, like it's, I'm not saying I'm opposed to them, but like they now feel foreign. Like it's just like I went through a period of just like, I don't care. Whatever. It's black and white. Doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. You know, just watching everything to like now when I see one, I'm just like, 
oh, like it's feel. It, it, I, I hate to say it, but it feels like a weird thing now. Mm-hmm. Like I'm yeah. saying, it, I mean, to me, it, it doesn't lessen lessen the experience of the movie at all. But I kind of slip into a thing about like ten or fifteen minutes into the movie. I don't know if my brain is just, you know, just posting in the the color for me, or if I just get used to it. But it it sort of stops mattering after a while, and only when something is, you know, a particularly interesting shot or, yeah. uh, you know, high contrast or whatever, do I notice that it's black and white? Yeah, I just so, love I I love when movies nowadays are just like, hey, this scene takes place in the past, so we. Took out the color. It's black and white. That well, means that's Calvin old. and Hobbes rules. Or brown. They, <laughs> they didn't invent color brown. until the 40s. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I, I like that there's kind of like an unwritten rule that like different periods of time have different color tones. Like, yeah, there's, like there's, there's the brown like fatigue color of yeah. World War II movies. It's and, like, based on <laughs> what film looks like now to how you, you, you know, mm-hmm. how film has aged. I know, that's how that's how people now think eras looked like no the, the colors were the same dude <laughs> it's it's a way of conveying well, I, a thing i mean the post-processing color not like the trying to make it look like the film stock of the time i'm just saying like captain america and things now that are take place in the in the mm-hmm. 1940s have this like brown fatigue yeah. look to them it's like oh well that's world war ii you know like there's just a thing mm-hmm. it's like hit the world war ii color scheme okay cool like I, I can always tell now, like watching a cable show, like something on HBO or or F, you know, Fargo or something, where it's just like the, a scene will start the episode and it's the colors wrong, and I'm like, oh, this is a flashback. It's like why? <laughs> it's like a flashback to two years earlier, and it's like, what? No, 2014 looked the same as 2016. What are you doing? Why is this desaturated? Why is this blown out? Why? What are you doing? I would film all my dream sequences in black and white. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. So you dream like a dog. <laughs> I don't know. So there's the rate, the raging debate about whether you dream in color oh. or not. You know, I don't know. you dream in color. Again, people say that you I dream in red. You you fill in the colors, but like that, the actual act of dreaming is in black and white. I don't know. Who knows? Nobody exactly. Knows. No, I. I've had dreams where I can name specific colors of things. Okay, Joey Pantone over there. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Uh, so guys want one more email one more correspond yeah Mm -hmm. yes let's do it all right this last one's titled i'm sorry to inform you that you lost a listener and when i read that i was like oh shit somebody really liked alien covenant didn't they (laughs) yeah and then (laughs) no the answer's worse uh it says hey bamfcast crew jagus here and i just want to thank you for bringing me and my dad together we had a weekly movie and dinner night, and Banffcast movies became part of that night, and that led to me telling my dad about Banffcast and my dad becoming a fan. Last week, I went to pick my dad up for the dinner at Panda Express and Ghost in the Shell at the Dollar Theater. Instead of a fun evening with my dad, I spent my night crying my eyes out because my dad had passed away. My mom's still in the anger phase of grieving, mainly angry at my dad for not taking better care of himself. As for me, I'm keeping movie night alive because I know my dad would be furious with me if I let movie night stop just because he's no longer with me. My dad never got to listen to every episode, nor did he see every Banffcast movie, but he loved your taste in films and your discussions. I know he had some recommendations for you, and when I'm feeling up to it, I'll pass those on to you. I have a favor to ask of the Banffcast crew and your listeners. If you can, tell your parents you love them. The worst part of all this is I never got to say goodbye, and that hurts more than anything. 
Much love to you and your families, Jay. Sent from my heart with all my love. Wow. Yeah. That's a, well, it's heavy. Huh. Yeah. I, we're really sorry to hear that, Jay. Yeah. yeah. You know, it It sucks. <laughs> you know, it it definitely it that made me want to call my parents, you know, call my dad right away. Mm-hmm. And my parents were overseas and <laughs> their phones weren't working. And so it was like, ah, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Call someone else's dad. Yeah, you know, but <laughs> but I I do think you know it's it's easy to take take those things for granted, and you know I'm I'm jealous that you and your dad had such a thing that you could do together like that. Yeah, because my dad and I don't have like my dad does not give two shits about movies, <laughs> so <laughs> you know it's very interesting that I turned out that way. But mm-hmm. you know it's it's very cool to hear that you and your dad had this regular thing and that we got to be a small part of that. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, that, that is a rare and very cool thing to actually have like a, a actual shared common interest in something, you know, I mean, usually like you kind of, most people have to make some sort of compromise. Like, I'm somewhat interested in this and oh, I'll compromise that we, this can be our thing together. But mm-hmm. it sounds like you actually like, you know, both really liked the the right kind of movies. So that's that's very cool and like I said to me very highly unusual. Or it's like I have to I'd be like, all right, what can I do that they won't hate and I won't hate and we'll just meet somewhere in the middle. Yeah. No. Yeah. I tried to <laughs> trying to watch movies with my with my parents is we have such differing differing taste. Like when I first got the Blu-ray of <laughs> Scott Pilgrim, I sat down and. <laughs> you know, it was my mom and I at home and I'm like, I want to watch this on the big TV. And, um, we finished and I'm like, you know, I'm all wide eyed and, and excited cause it's great. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my mom looks at me and she's like, that was terrible. That, <laughs> that may be the worst thing I've seen. <laughs> like, mom, yep. mom, what? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. My my dad's reaction is usually, "That was stupid. Why do people <laughs> waste their time watching movies?" Yeah, I, I <laughs> like I'll, I'll take a straight up pan like that versus like what I got when when and it, I luckily I wasn't even in the room because I, I I think I might have gone ballistic. But my 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 dad's reaction after upon seeing Pacific Rim was, "Is that it?" <laughs> oh my god, oh, that was the like, worst. <laughs> I was like, okay, there are a lot of reactions for that movie. Is that it? I never thought would be any one of them. <laughs> like, I can get you're not behind giant robots and giant monsters, but a motherfucking giant robot and a motherfucking giant monster with a motherfucking giant ship. Yeah. He, is that it? Is he not hit really that monster with the ship like it was a bat. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, is that it? Should not be in the vocabulary for ways to describe this movie. Tell it? me another movie where you've seen that, <laughs> and then I'll th- then we can begin the discussion. But mm-hmm. luckily, luckily, I mostly get that on my system when I was going through my like early like oh shit, there's actual real movies out there thing, and I was trying to show them some artsy fartsy shit, and I very quickly like luckily it was like things I really liked at the time, but like don't have the deep seated love. I've just like if I love it. Keep it the fuck away from them. I'm sorry to say, but it's like yeah. I don't want to he- have that experience of yeah. like here is the thing that I love, and I think you would maybe like it too. And then the oh 
God, this is terrible. Like, I don't want my mom saying. Yeah, my mom. We had a we had a brief time, but basically, uh, over the summer before I well, actually it must have been the fall before I graduated college. You know, before I'd gone back to school or whatever, like I was on Christmas break, and my mom and I like went and saw like the the re release of Touch of Evil, and I think we saw Goodwill Hunting together, and we saw uh, As Good as It Gets, and there was like this brief period where she and I were going to movies and I don't know if she ever enjoyed all of them that much. Like, especially touch of evil. I know she did. She didn't have any fun with that. Where I, whereas I'm like, Oh my God, this is so fucking amazing. And, <laughs> you know? And the other one, she's like, well, Jack Nicholson was kind of funny, you know? And it's like, oh, okay. You know? <laughs> so it's, it's so, funny how you can share some movies with parents, but others you can't like, like my family watching uh, national lampoon's Christmas vacation. Like that, that's my mom's favorite movie of all time. So I know like if I want to bond with her, we watched Christmas vacation and she will laugh at all the right parts in that movie every time. And my dad will go, this movie's so dumb. And then he'll keep laughing. <laughs> that's the thing about him. He's like, this is stupid. And then he'll be laughing. At right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's more what I've tried to do is find the common ground of like agreeing to go to the movies with them is like, my dad likes the, the, the fist fights of the world. The like, somewhat vulgar but utterly ultimately forgettable movies because he'll be the guy like five years from now like hey you remember that scene in blah 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 i'm like what movie was that again like literally <laughs> like i have to recall back like is that the like usually i can just go is that the one with ben stiller in it because like, if it's a ben stiller movie <laughs> he's just generally like all in on that shit because yeah. like I, that's that's just my de facto like was that the one one of the ones with ben stiller in it? Yeah, okay but yeah and my mom is like I, she's my excuse for watching shit like love actually like you know mm-hmm. if there's a movie like that it's like yeah i'll go like, yeah <laughs> see like whenever i try and picture someone's parents watching movies at this point i i go back to that scene in community when they like go to joel mccare's mikhail's parents house and they're just like you want to watch a movie i think we have one <laughs> and it's like okay yeah mm-hmm. people have a copy of titanic and that's it and it's right. just parents don't care. one of those double vhs copies <laughs> yeah. yes exactly like nobody cares mm-hmm. and there's a certain point where like movies the, the sense of humor changed to where people of a certain age aren't on board with it at all. Like, mm-hmm. I have a feeling like if my parents had watched Anchorman, they would just be like, the fuck is this? <laughs> you yeah. you like this? <laughs> Which is, you know, that's like, is that all? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hearing you like this is like, yeah, <laughs> I do. I'm sorry. I'll go now. <laughs> I'll go to my room even though I don't mm-hmm. live here anymore. So. I, I just throw it back on me and be like, I love it like you love me. What? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry you don't understand it. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, that puts them, like, right on the line. Like, how much do you actually love me? Like, well, well we don't really like you at all. Yeah. It's okay. like, oh, well, fine. Now I understand why you don't like Oh, you must man. hate this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at least my mom and I could share one of the greatest movies of all time, which is Sister Act. Oh, Good. <laughs> My mom liked anything with Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, that's great. Yeah, super. But you don't like Sister Act? Uh, no, I love it. I That's what I thought. Yeah, I adore Got it. My eye on you, Chuckles. Uh, okay. So did you ever watch uh, Theodore Rex with her? <laughs> no. <laughs> I like that you had to take a second to think about what that movie was called. Yeah, that son of a bitch dinosaur. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, um... 
you know, surprisingly, that movie didn't make it into most into, homes. Into her whoopee rotation? No, she didn't. It did not. Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> the whoopee rotation. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Sad to note, say, mom yes. passed on before I could foist uh, Theodore Rex oh, upon man. her. <laughs> well, I am truly sorry for your lots. <laughs> oh. oh, you could have shared the first se- three seasons of Captain Planet together. Oh, man. <laughs> it's true. It's yeah. true. Uh, yeah. But tell the people that you love that you love them. Yes. Like, and tell the ones that you don't love that you Hate don't them. like them that- at all. Yeah. <laughs> just, I mean, Man, just, say- just be honest with your feelings is what we're trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you just, you never know. No. Just be a man, homie. You never know. But uh, our hearts go out to you, Jay, and uh, hopefully you'll get those suggestions in at some point, and hopefully we'll all give them five jocks, because I would right. feel terrible if we were like, no, this movie sucks. <laughs> we will treat them fairly. Yes. Is, As always. Absolutely. My promise to you. No. And our opinions are our own. They're not necessarily the <laughs> reflections of Parasuit Studios or no. any other affiliated yeah. entities. Correct. But if anyone else wants to send in recommendations, questions, concerns, concerns, or share life events with us, if yeah. that's what you would like to do. Um, or, or puns we missed. Puns we missed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Email us bmf at bmfcast.com or uh, just go to the website bmfcast.com and there's a bunch of buttons on the right hand side where there are all the ways that you can contact us. Or you can give us a call 9005 Jacks BMF, 9005569263. Also, uh, support the Patreon because we are poor, poor, poor boys and we need your money. Um, <laughs> to buy sandwiches. To buy sandwiches and the like. <laughs> sandwiches, and and, sandwiches and liquor. So, uh, mm. patreon.com slash bmfcast, you get a whole bunch of awesome shit for uh, contributing to our Patreon. Yes. And we appreciate all those dollars that you give us. We do. Absolutely. And this is the last week we can pimp that we are going to be in Atlanta next week. Yep. That's next true. Next week. A week from now. Holy shit. Yeah, I know. For the Southern Fried Game Room Expo, which is a thing in Atlanta we're going to be at, so we don't need to say anything else about it. You need to come there and meet us. Yeah, be there or be square. Yeah. It is a All game right. room expo. <laughs> Arcade <laughs> games. Yes. We, we will be attempting to... Uh, Video games. Organize a thing sure. outside of the gaming. Pinball. If gaming is not your thing. Yeah. Wrestling. Wrestling might be a thing. Burgers. Burgers might be a thing. Blackjack. Grilled cheese. There's black... Hookers. Oh, play... Wait, Wait, hold on. <laughs> twerking. Bears. <laughs> Beats. <laughs> Battlestar Galactic. You said twerking. That means we're going. (laughs) (laughs) We'll put these two to bed, and then you and I'll sneak out and go to the third place twerking. (sighs) You're going to put your own self to bed. One drink. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) if you're promising me the birthplace of twerking, I will not drink. I'll be up all night. (laughs) I don't believe that for a second. Oh, we should not talk about this on the air. Too late. (laughs) It's Sorry. out there. Yeah, I guess it's it is. Well, out there. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, let's get out of here, shall we? Mm-hmm. Let's. I'm Harlow. I'm Mackie. I'm BJ. I'm Chuck. And this is Banffcast out. <laughs>